Of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on March the 12th, 2019. I'm your host, Gaming Psychologist, and with me, as always, with an epic rager. Caffeine rage? Uh, th- th- this seems wrong somehow. <laughs> on today's show, we will, of course, be discussing the games that we've played. Valve removes Rape Day from Steam. Valve terminates its contract with Artifact Designer. Halo, the Master Chief Collection, is coming to PC and will be on Steam. WoW Classic release schedule spreads content updates across six phases. The level one gun in Anthem does more damage than top tier guns anywhere. We will briefly discuss the next couple of game nights on Community Corner, and we will have a Steam Discovery queue. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Um, it feels weird to ask, how are you? Because we've been chatting for over an hour before starting to record at this point, which is even longer than usual. So, but I'll do it just for the the listeners. How are you, Rage? Um, all right. Well, that's good. (laughs) Uh, yeah, it was, uh, (laughs) it was a distracting day because finally, uh, got my new phone and uh, was slowly setting that up while waiting on packages to show up as well, so I couldn't be at my computer to be able to set things up quicker. So I was, uh, you know, doing everything on the fly on the new phone. Don't, I haven't really messed with it enough to uh, share my thoughts about it, so I'll probably uh, have a couple mobile games next week to talk about. Uh, well, that sounds exciting. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, new games for me to hate, right? <laughs> Absolutely, Not but like I. A- well, I got the new Samsung Galaxy S10 Plus. That is exciting. Um, what? How big is the screen on the S10 Plus? Uh, well, I, I, it's a shame I don't have my old phone right here to give a comparison. Oh, wait. Uh, I would say it's a good two inches taller <laughs> and about another inch and a half wider. I mean, it's practically a mini tablet at this point. And that makes me happy makes me very happy i mean the thing is giant it's just giant (laughs) 6.4 inch display with a resolution resolution of 3040 by 1440 yeah and i pretty much had to get a new phone because my current one well the battery on it is pretty much shot and I dropped it at one point. It didn't break the screen, but I could see a air bubble around the bezel, which means that the seal is compromised. Yeah. So, uh, yo, I'm not selling it for $20, but, yo, pro- <laughs> uh, but probably shouldn't be you know, using it for too much longer in its current state, right? Yeah. Let's see. I've had my phone for about two years now. I'm hoping to get at least one more out of it, maybe two. And then if they're still making them in a couple of years, hope to go to the next, whatever the Galaxy Note is. Yeah, I wasn't originally planning on getting the S10, but I was going to get the S9, but they didn't drop the price that much. And looking at a monthly basis, I was thinking, yeah, you know, I think it's worth it uh, to go to the next level. And then I looked at it and thought, you know, a couple bucks more, I'll uh, go ahead and get the big phone. 
because it was a difference of three dollars to go from the base version of the, uh, or I should say the mid version, because it's a, it's a weird thing. Uh, they have the uh, the Samsung S10e, which is essentially you know the entry level of it, then the normal version, then the plus. And there's a few feature differences, mostly in the cameras and battery life, but or, or I should say battery capacity, but it kind of balances out with the screen size. Yeah. Uh, but I had a bit of an ordeal ordering this thing. I was attempting to break Commandment One. Technically, I mean, uh, we, uh, yeah, we made the caveat for hardware and uh, uh, that sort of thing. So technically not, but you know, Commandment One, thou shall not pre-order, does not say you know, uh, you know, thou shall not pre-order games or software or digital goods. So technically, right? Right, Te- and technically is the best. Boy, you butchered that. Technically quote. correct. Technically correct is the best form of correct. I was putting a cough drop in my mouth. I just sort of spit it out. The phrase, not the cough drop. That's that's in my mouth. Oh my. Well, anyway, I attempted to order this on the first when uh, I paid off my credit card to be able to just have the full uh, uh, balance to be able to throw at this thing. Uh, because I wasn't a hundred percent sure just how much they would. Uh, uh, charge me up front because you know my credit history is not very long so you know uh, best to be prepared right so right attempt to order go through uh, you know uh, select the model I want they kept trying to sell me the pink one which I know you would have gone for but yay pink uh, but yeah I decided you know a, a nice basic black you know it's very slimming uh, so I go through, try to order it, get to the checkout. Uh, they send uh, the uh, verification code to make sure I'm me, or at least I'm, I have me's phone. Uh, because they send it through text, of course. And it gets back, uh, that is not a valid shipping address. Okay. Well, it says uh, you can't send it to P.O. Box, fine. Uh, and because of where I live and I don't have curbs- curbside service, my postage... It's to a post office box, but I actually have a different shipping address. Fine, I'll change it to the shipping address. I don't get a, a paper bill anyway, mostly because they give me a $10 discount be, uh, for doing wireless or paperless billing and auto pay. So, yeah, uh, that's one way to get me uh, save the environment, right? Yay, save the environment. So, uh, put in my shipping address. Still doesn't accept it. Okay, that's a problem. Uh, I split the address, uh, uh, take my apartment off the main line and put in the uh, line two where, you know, sometimes uh, some forms are very finicky about apartment numbers. Sometimes they're not. That didn't work. Tried the alternate shipping address because uh, where my apartment complex is, it's technically on like two different streets, even though the entrance is just on one. Half the apartments are technically a different street. So uh, it's a weird thing. Tried that. That didn't work. I tried taking the plural off the street name. That didn't work. Well, eventually I uh, decided, okay, let's try customer service because I keep popping up saying, hey, can we help you with this? Okay, fine. Uh, so I start talking to uh, customer service via chat. And 
I'm not sure what country this guy was originally from. <clears throat> uh, this is going to sound incredibly racist, but I'm going to assume uh, somewhere in probably about Southeast Asia because of some of the rather flowery uh, uh, English that he was using. And also constantly talking about bowing his head and uh, uh, begging my forgiveness. So, yeah, that, yeah, very, very strange. I mean, just to answer a question, it was an entire paragraph of him groveling. Don't, now, don't get me wrong, I enjoy a good grovel in my feet, but when I'm trying to get customer support... <laughs> I love that. Pull that out. Don't get me wrong, I love a good grovel at my feet. Uh, uh, stinger for the show, we don't need the outro babble. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. I think that's the episode title. I love a good grovel. <laughs> I love a good grovel. Bam. Got that one right out of the way. Right away. Well, uh, at least I was able to help you. But anyway, uh, uh, this guy, yeah, uh, he, uh, he couldn't understand what I was trying to tell him. And he was just going on and on uh, groveling. Uh, so I just said to hell with it. it uh, yeah, uh, turn that off. And uh, when it popped up the uh, the uh, questionnaire form, boy, he got a, a, a glowing review. <laughs> uh, so then I started well, yelling good. on Twitter, and immediately got AT and T cares to show up uh, because yeah, uh, I do love a good grovel, <laughs> uh, and. Uh, uh, this guy was actually, um, you know, able to speak proper English and got me um, on a, a different uh, tech service to be able to uh, hammer this out. And he was talking, okay, let, let's, uh, let me do a manual change on your address because it wouldn't even accept my shipping address as a valid address to even attach it to my account, which is weird. Did that, did a manual change in my address... And he had to actually force it because his system wouldn't even accept it at first. <laughs> and I promise you, I was typing it correctly the entire time. That that isn't going to be the punchline of this, okay? Okay. Yeah, this isn't going to be like, you know, I, I transposed two numbers or something. No. So, uh, he uh, says, okay, well... Uh, try it again in a couple of days. Sometimes the system takes a while to accept it. And I'm thinking, no, no, it's not going to accept it. We, we've gone through this. <laughs> uh, and uh, all this is uh, trying to pre-order this damn thing because of the deal that they were giving. I'm not sure if I would have been eligible for the gift card that they were offering. But uh, the main thing was a rather nice pair of earbuds, supposedly. I'm not sure if you've seen the reviews on them, the uh, Galaxy Buds. Uh, I have not. Uh, they're the uh, the wireless uh, uh, earbuds. Uh, think uh, AirPods, only about hundred dollars okay. uh, cheaper. <laughs> gotcha. So yeah, you know, in the like the one fifty uh, one seventy range. Yeah, you know, a pretty good uh, pre order bonus, right? Yeah, pretty good. So yeah, you know, I was trying to get them because I wanted a pair of uh, earbuds. Uh, and I was going to get the phone anyway, because I kind of have to at this point. So, uh, I can try over the course of last week, uh, up until the launch of the damn phone on Friday, 
And it's never accepted me. I kept trying and trying and trying and just wouldn't go through. Well, Friday goes off and uh, uh, the phone launches. I wasn't able to pre-order. Great. Uh, So uh, they said, well, we'll keep this ticket open. And uh, if you're unable to order, we'll uh, send you a priority mail uh, uh, to uh, get the phone. All right. Great. So I say, uh, yeah, get on Twitter. And uh, this was in private messages uh, between us. Said, okay, I'll uh, take the uh, priority mail uh, offer that you were giving me. And can you give me any, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of how exactly I phrased it. Can, uh, can you offer me anything since you, uh, I was unable to do the pre-order? You know, see if there was, uh, I was looking for, uh, is there any deals you could cut me because I was unable to do the pre-order? You know, hoping to you know, knock a few bucks off, right? Right. Uh, because this has been going on for a week at this point. Well, uh, I get back on a uh, text message with this guy. Uh, this uh, was the same one that dealt with me the week before. <laughs> uh, so we start going back and forth. And he actually offers me the phone for like $300 off. But he wanted it all up front. Like a, you know, a $500 bite. Uh, all at once. And I just couldn't swing that, unfortunately. Yeah, was it something I was expecting to uh, spend all in one go? Right. So uh, I said, oh, I have to pass that one up. Uh, is there anything you could do for me on the monthly deals or on the monthly payments? So then he comes back and says, okay, well, we'll take $10 off. And I said, what, $10 off what? And he attached a $10 discount to my account, not to the uh, contract at the phone. So he's knocked $120 off my cell phone bill a month. You mean a year? Uh, or sorry, a year, yeah, uh, due to the monthly uh, thing. And uh, he also waived the upgrade fee. So, you know, within a year, I pretty much uh, already have a better deal than what I was getting on the pre-order bonus or trying to. Yeah, that's uh, that's a good one. Yeah, I was not expecting that. I was hoping to just get rid of that damn upgrade fee because... That, that's such a bullshit thing, isn't it? Yeah. Upgrade fees are fucking stupid, but yeah. they do it because they can get away with it. Yeah, because all the uh, carriers do it. So, uh, they actually overnighted it to me. It shipped out yesterday. Oh, damn. The, yeah, it shipped out yesterday. And I got it today. That shit ain't cheap. I mean, you know, company big companies can still get pretty good discounts on that stuff, but... Yeah, I mean, I used to yeah, work I was in shipping, ex- but it still is not fucking cheap. Yeah, I was expecting it, you know, to get it late in the week. Uh, you know, it said, okay, your uh, shipping day is uh, somewhere between uh, Monday and Wednesday. And I was thinking, okay, I'll, maybe I'll get it by Friday. And I uh, kept checking my <clears> order <throat> status and saw, okay, it shipped out today. Your uh, expected delivery is tomorrow. And I just sat there and thought, okay, am I misreading that <laughs> <laughs> because he did say priority shipping, but uh, that's a yeah a little bit more than what I was expecting. Super priority. Yeah, so far I have to say that the phone is damn slick. But then again, you know I'm going from uh, what three and a half generations or, or so. Yeah, I think your phone was a couple of no. It's used you said you had the S7 before. Yeah. So your phone would it was one generation older than my current phone. So yeah, that would be three generations ago in a bit. 
Yeah, let's just put it this way. Web, uh, web pages don't hang anymore, but the, the train does go off. <laughs> the train's horn hangs. So we'll have a little pause here. <clears throat> we'll savor this moment. Mm. Yes, savor that moment. Mm. Yeah, you you honk that horn. Blow it. Mm. Oh, baby. Oh, baby, I love your ways. Every day. Is he gone? Um. Well, I think he's gone Did far over. enough. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out how to turn this into a segue to Warframe, which is your first game. Bam, games. I did it. <laughs> well, uh, it's more natural than most of your uh, transitions. Mm, if you say so. I'm not sure about that, but well, I'll I'll take it. So, Warframe. Uh, well, There we go. I, I should say, yeah, technically I play Warframe every week, so <laughs> it's not uh, yeah, a game I played this week. It's one I play pretty much every week because it's kind of one of those games that I could just pick up and play and it's also versatile enough that, you know, if I want something more challenging, I could go off and do something well more challenging in the game, or if I just want to mass slaughter because I'm pissed off. Hey, Warframe, right? Yay, Warframe. So, uh, a couple of weeks ago, they put in a uh, change to the systems where uh, it used to be they had a timed alert system go off where uh, occasionally throughout the day, There'll be an alert that will pop up for a particular uh, place and type of mission and with a specific reward. And it was on a cycle. So, you know, typically if you played long enough, you would uh, get what you wanted. But it was not an ideal system, especially for someone that doesn't play for a, a lot or someone that has uh, yeah, plays during a very certain time frame. So, uh, a good example of this is there's an item called a Forma in the game, where it's a very sought-after item because it allows you to essentially uh, change the uh, uh, change a mod slot in a Warframe so that you could uh, fit more capacity in that uh, slot. And they're very sought-after, and usually you have to pay for them or get them through alerts or other ways. Well... A couple weeks ago, they scrapped the alert system and put in essentially what is a battle pass, but it's a little bit different. It's actually story-driven. There's a backstory to this battle pass, all right? That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, see, I kind of buried the lead on this because I didn't tell you about the story in this. You did not? Yeah, suppose... I'm though. Yeah. Uh, one of the factions of the game has a, well, had, I should say, a hidden uh, prison on Saturn called Saturn Six, And one of their most powerful uh, prisoners escaped. He was a model pr prisoner, but something in his mind just snapped, and now he's on the rampage across the, the entire system. And the story is going on about this particular prison, a prisoner called the Wolf, and the entire uh, uh, episodic story is called the Wolf of Saturn Six. Uh, it's just in the prologue area right now, so not a lot of the story is out yet. But 
every so often the wolf will show up in a mission and try to kill you. Uh, occasionally, uh, because this was a prison and his prison break uh, kind of opened the floodgates, you'll encounter prisoners as well that you could try to capture to uh, gain reputation with this faction. And this faction is what's powering the battle pass in this game. And something else that's a little different about this battle pass is that it is completely free. It's not like uh, Rocket League's battle pass where there's a free version and uh, there's a paid version. It's not or Fortnite. It's not like Fortnite where you buy into the battle pass. This is a completely free system. And it's all built around various challenges. There's three different tiers of challenges. There's a daily challenge that rotates, well, daily, but you have three days, I think, to... Uh, it's either two or three days to complete it. And they're pretty basic. Something like uh, kill a certain amount of enemies with this type of uh, uh, elemental damage. You know, something that anyone can do. And it gives a certain amount of faction. Uh, I think it's like 1,000 faction. And each... Uh, level of the uh, faction is 10,000 rep, alright, or 10,000 uh, 10, uh, faction points, and it never changes. Then you have the weekly challenges, which start to get a little bit more challenging, uh, such as uh, uh, do this particular quest, uh, uh, doing a particular quest unlocks a weekly event that you could go to. Uh, go uh, complete that weekly event, and that's a weekly challenge, and it gives you 3,000 rep. And then there's the elite challenges, which are, well, elite level. <laughs> yeah, they're 5,000 a rep a pop, and there's either two or three of them, depending on the week. And they're a lot more difficult to do. You know, kill a high-level boss or uh, uh, complete a certain thing uh, so many times, that, uh, that sort of thing. As a matter of fact, uh, the challenges right now are all resource gathering, if I recall correctly, or most of them. Where a lot of them are go mine in this uh, in each of the two open world areas, go fishing in the uh, two open world areas, that sort of thing. Uh, but I'm I'm of two minds of this because it does remove a rather annoying system. The alert system was really annoying to have to deal with, particularly when you're looking for a cosmetic item or uh, those rare chances for a very expensive otherwise uh, resource. And uh, this system kind of uh, uh, negates the timed aspect of it in a way because there's still a timed uh, uh, there's still a timer on this, but it's a ten week timer instead of the old system, which was you know, a couple of hours. Uh, the uh, the battle pass lasts for ten weeks, and then after the end of the battle pass, everything essentially resets. <clears throat> and as you go up the battle pass, and I, I'm just going to call this a battle pass because that's what it is, instead of you know, uh, calling it uh, the Wolf of Saturn Six uh, uh, expand uh, or event or whatever they whatever they're calling it. Different ranks give it different things, and there's a cred that you get or credits that you could spend in the shop for this battle pass. It's the only way to get them is uh, to get particular ranks with the uh, reputation. And in that shop is all the cosmetics that used to be in the alert system. All the resources that used to be in the alert system. So, and some, and it's a lot easier to get in a long-term sense, but it's a, uh, you know, it's not as a short-term item anymore. 
It's more of a goal, which Warframe was actually lacking, so that's not exactly a bad thing, but the system is not exactly newbie-friendly. And that's kind of my big catch-all on this, is that this is kind of catering to the high-end crowd, especially since there's only one daily challenge. And most of the weekly challenges are kind of tough to do for someone that hasn't been with the game for, you know, less than a couple months. So <clears throat> it's tough to get through the entire battle pass. Uh, according to one of the dev streams, you have to get, I believe it was 60% of the uh, overall rep to be able to max out the uh, reputation within the time frame. Which for someone like me that's been playing for a long time isn't that difficult. It's just, yeah, doing the uh, challenges. But for someone uh, like Jared who played for a bit and then, you know, stopped, but, you know, Maybe the uh, the, you know, the battle pass uh, intrigues him. He wants to come in and play. Well, without uh, you know, someone ferrying him around or helping him and pointing him in the direction, it doesn't really help him uh, you know, as a goal outside of those dailies. Which, that's kind of my big problem with it, is that the alert system was very open to a lot more players. For the most part. There were times that the alert system would come up with something that... Uh, was pretty much out of the reach of everyone that hasn't been playing for quite a while, but that was a rarity. With this, it's gated off to some extent, but not as much, but at the same time, it's not as uh, big a time crunch, because to get some of the creds, it's level th three or four, which is uh, one week's worth of, of uh, challenges. And that's not even including uh, the extra reputation that you get from capturing the uh, fugitives and that sort of thing. So it's not that bad, but at the same time, you know, it's still, uh, it's a balancing act, right? Yeah. So all of this sounds interesting. It doesn't, <laughs> I like how you use me as an example. So Jared's inter intrigued by well, this well, and wants to come back to play. I'm, I am intrigued. I'm not sure if it makes me want to come back and play, but yeah, like you were saying, I mean, I haven't played in two years, give or take a little. So, I mean, I had some higher level stuff, but I mean, that was for then, not for whatever it's at now. Well, honestly, Warframe is kind of a weird game with its gear progression where uh, to gear up once you get past a certain point isn't exactly that hard. It's just knowing where to look. Like, I could probably uh, get you geared up pretty well within uh, a week. Just because I know where uh, to look for certain things. Like, uh, the shotgun that I use pretty much religiously. It's actually pretty easy to get. It's just getting the mastery rank for it. And to do that, you have to uh, rank up other stuff. Yeah. And I'm actually not sure so where you were on the mastery tree, so... Or the mastery system, either. so well, it's that's kind of the uh, that's the time gate for Warframe, but it's not. It's uh, Warframe is such a weird game because it's a uh, completely co-op game. There's uh, there is a PvP element, but pretty much nobody plays it, <laughs> and they're also in the middle of uh, doing a complete rework on the melee system. They actually rolled out the first bit of it. 
and they're doing an event that I haven't done enough of to be able to really talk about. As well as uh, rolling out another new uh, Warframe, another new class. So, yeah. I'm like two uh, events behind on talking about things. Because, uh, yeah, there's uh, distractions in the game. It's kind of like Yakuza, where because the alert alert system's gone now, uh, and it has this set number of challenges, well, I could look at that and think, okay, well... I kind of feel like uh, doing some mining, so I'll go uh, tackle this challenge or this challenge. Or I want to do some uh, fishing. I need to get some uh, stuff for uh, uh, this particular thing. Well, uh, this challenge also kind of points me in that direction. Or vice versa. Well, these challenges are talking about going mining in the open world. What does that get me? And I could look into that uh, a bit more. And I think that's the direction that they're hoping to get. But uh, that's the thing is that Warframe has a very poor new player experience and they have talked about working on that. But this feels like more of a uh, mid-level thing with uh, a a teaser for the high-end stuff once they start looking at some of the uh, elite challenges. And there's a big mic hit. The... uh, uh, the elite weekly that I'm actually able to tackle this week is uh, do a set number of uh, the high level challenge missions uh, within a week. It's uh, complete five sets within seven days, and they're on a daily reset. So you can see how they can be a bit annoying, huh? Yeah, and some of the challenges aren't very well well thought out. But they're not able to change them because this is an, an event that's going on on all systems at once, which is a odd thing for Warframe, actually, <laughs> because usually it's PC first. It, usually PC beta test the update and then <laughs> it rolls out to the consoles. I wish I was joking about that a little bit more, but eh. right, free to play, so I'm not as salty about it as I normally would be because it's not a paid game right <clears throat> excuse me sorry <clears throat> uh, but you have any questions about the battle pass system that they're doing I don't think so I mean I mean, I mean it's a, it seems I mean it's kind of a tiered system on top of things because of the uh, individual levels giving oh I should say certain levels but some of the stuff is uh uh, normally paid only. They have a lot of cosmetics in it, which are normally how they actually fund the game, but uh, restricted to the more high level stuff. So yeah, it's the people that go through the battle pass, uh, 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 fair ways. They have character slots, weapon slots, which are also us- uh, usually paid only. So the battle pass is actually damn generous on top of being free. I was actually a little surprised going through and just seeing exactly what they were giving. So it sounds like generally you like the way they've implemented I like it outside of, you know, the fact that it's kind of uh, uh, cutting off uh, some of the newbies from uh, uh, potentially getting to some of this. But also at the same time, they did say you only have to get about 60% to, well, I should say at the start. Naturally, that's going to be higher now if someone starts right now. But it's not unfeasible, and that's also not including the additional reputation. And they also said that as the 
episode carries on because this is only the first episode of their story uh the refugees or or sorry the the escapees what we don't know they're uh, you know they're not refugees they could be both right especially with today's political climate indeed uh, i could hear the indeed. i could hear the eye twitch uh but uh the escapees are supposed to show up more often as is the wolf and the wolf also is out pretty damn tough uh, little mini boss and he drops a, a parts for his weapon uh, his uh, big uh, honking melee weapon and yeah that's kind of the looter shooter aspect of it that Warframe kind of was missing honestly because a lot of it is uh, getting components or uh, blueprints and building your uh, stuff and this is still getting the parts but it you know, you're fighting a rare boss to be able to get it uh, Warframe isn't uh, uh, unfamiliar with this, but this is the first one that really has a lot of story attached to it that wasn't added after the fact because the Stalker was, you know, it was kind of the model for this for him, but a lot of his story was given after the fact. You know, you know who was this guy, right? And why haven't they banned him because he's stalking people? Hey, so, do you want me to go? Uh, you can. Or do you want to? Okay. Yeah, give my uh, voice a little bit of a rest because I ended up going a lot longer than I expected on that. Indeed. So, the first game on my list out of the two that I played is called Moss Destruction. Um, love the pun in the name. Yeah, what did Moss uh, ever do to them? <laughs> but uh, this is a sort of isometric twin stick shooter where you play these little green blobby guys who are using mechs to combat robots and aliens in a sort of rogue light. I think that's the correct term. Rogue light adventure. Uh, as you play through, you get uh, you can unlock passive things to slightly boost the power of your mech in order to be able to get farther on each run which lets you get more passive things. And then, of course, during the run, there's different weapons, which all seem to be randomized. Um, and yeah, Rogue Light maps, is uh, pr- the proper term for this. The maps, at least the few maps that I played on, didn't seem to be random. Just where the stuff was placed in the maps was random. Um, it's a pretty simple, straightforward game. This is not typically the type of game that I like. Um, I got offered this as like a a key offered on key mailer. So I was like, eh, it's got mechs in it. I'm like mechs. Uh, so this is, you know, looks pretty neat. It doesn't function with keyboard and mouse at all. You have to use a controller to play it, which is really disorienting at first. Cause I, it, I launched the game, you know, it says full controller support. So I'm thinking, okay, you know, I can play keyboard and mouse. I can use my controller, launch the game menu. Doesn't work without a controller. Like, the keyboard, nothing did anything on the keyboard. Every time I moved the mouse, it would just, like, flash white. You know, the, the white mouse cursor would flash up every time i try and move it, but then it would just disappear behind the game window. So I had to get my controller and get that set up. So that was a little annoying. Knocked a couple of points off the bat right there. But uh, then it's got this sort of cute, techno-y, upbeat soundtrack that plays. So that's fun. It's got puns in it. Um, some light. It has puns in it? No. Some, it, has, it has puns in it. It's got some light, you know, some humor. 
Um, you get into the game and it basically tells you what a roguelite is. It's like you're going to be going through and you randomize loot drops and weapons and you can get passive stuff. There's power-ups you can get that it randomizes every time. Like the, the power-up effects themselves are not randomized, but um, it randomizes like with the colors and the shape. Like there are these little energy balls you pick up and it randomizes their colors and shapes So for the whole run. So when you drop in, you don't know what the different ones are, but you can be like, okay, the black spiky orb is the shield this time. And the green sort of helix shape is uh, actually makes you walk slower. It's called like lead foot. It makes you walk really slow, but you do like passive melee damage to enemies you touch. So some of them are kind of straightforward, like, you know, a shield. You know what that, you know, that's pretty obvious. Lead foot. I was like, this just makes me walk slower. And then I ran into someone and they took damage and I didn't use my melee attack. There's some that are bad. There's one that like makes your screen like glitch out, which is a little frustrating, but it's that whole like risk reward thing. I get it. Um, but you know, so there's a little bit of a risk reward to them. Uh, and then there's different weapons. You've got four different ammo types and there are different weapons that pull from, you know, that can pull from the same ammo type. I found this to be kind of frustrating because it's like, you should try and get two different weapons that use two different ammos. And it's like, well, the ran- the weapon drops are randomized. So how the fuck am I supposed to do that unless I just get lucky with a with a weapon drop? So there were a few runs where it, like, it started, like the default weapon on the default mech is just like a single shot energy, like plasma cannon. And the first couple of times, or the first couple of runs I played, I got um, like a rapid firing laser chain gun thing and then they both use my energy ammo so I, so it's like well shit you know both of my weapons burn out the same ammo type then i had to resort to melee only which is pretty powerful melee kills most standard enemies in one hit but obviously you have to get within melee range so you're easier to, to hit um health drops are random you start with eight health every time and then you pick it up randomly throughout uh, the mission is one of the random power-ups. Uh, you can buy health in the store. Certain enemies drop a currency. It's like this slimy stuff. It's called Corvix. Corvix. It's like a green slime. And you buy stuff from the store and, and health drops. Like So the store purchases is where you get the passive upgrades, but they're randomized. And sometimes there's a, a health boost in there. But the health boost, as far as I can tell, unless there's a different version only applies to your current run so that's uh, that's frustrating um i don't really know how much there's to say about it other than that i mean it's got some some kind of quirky enemy designs but nothing like super special that i saw the boss fights aren't particularly special or stand out um they were basically just bigger versions of the enemies i fought that might get more interesting as it goes along i only got to like level five or six and i don't know if how it uh how far it goes or how you know infinite is it says there's three different worlds to play but there's multiple levels on each world so i don't know how far it actually goes um and then it it also has this mechanic where you can stick around uh until after night falls and the enemies get twice as powerful but i only tried that a couple of times i was just too weak with no passive bonuses and any progress like, unless you're able to get those passive bonuses, there's no progress that carries over. So, if you don't 
you know, if you're not able to get those, then you're basically just spinning your wheels and sort of learning the map areas, but everything is still randomized within the map area, so... Yeah. Yeah, so it I was, has I a st- uh, progression system that's very frustrating. Yeah, I started out being like, yeah, this game was okay, it's not really my thing, and now I feel like actually it kind of sucks. So... The music was nice. I really liked the music, and I liked the puns. I didn't unlock any of the other mechs. There's, I mean, three different mechs. It's pretty obvious what they are. There's a balanced one, which is the one you start with. There's, a, like, a big heavy one that's slower but has more health, and then there's a light one that's faster but has less health. But I didn't get to play with any of them other than the, the starter balanced one because I didn't unlock any of them. You have to purchase those from the store for the green slime stuff, and I didn't even find any of them in the stores that I... I did get to. So I have no idea at what point those come up or if it's just random. But, you know, if I guess if you really like this kind of game and you've somehow been exhausted by all the other better roguelites out there, it's not the worst game I've ever played. But if you really Glowing don't... endorsement. Glowing endorsement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But if you really don't particularly enjoy this type of game, there's no point. I would recommend either Gungeon or... Um, Binding of Isaac as the games to really go for if you're not like super big into this type of game. Yeah, pretty much if someone's interested in the genre, unless they have a strong aversion or a strong attachment, one of the two, to religion or are highly put off by gross things, I would say Binding of Isaac has a good entry point. Yeah. Because, yeah, so. Binding of Isaac, depending on how you look at it, is either a very religious game or a very anti-religious game. <laughs> Which is actually kind of the point of it. Yeah. So, eh, it's not great. Maybe if it ever comes up on sale for, like, 50 cents, it might be worth that for a curiosity factor to just, like, listen to the cool music and... So you wouldn't even buy read, it for a dollar, the funny well. puns. No, I wouldn't buy that for a dollar. I mean, it's for sale on Steam for 15 bucks right now. Don't don't go near it at 15. Save yourself. Okay, well, uh, is that all you had to say about that? That's all I have to say about that. Okay, well, going from Rogue uh, Light to Rogue Like, I have Tangle Deep, which is on the current Humble Bundle. And, oh boy, uh, for the current Humble Bundle, uh, dollar tier, buy immediately. <laughs> Okay. It is a very, very good entry point into the rogue-like. And I'm uh, stressing like on this because it is an actual rogue-like, not light, uh, game. Where you're going through dungeons, it's turn-based. It doesn't have all the elements of uh, rogue, where it doesn't have the uh, traditional, uh, you know, randomized potions and that sort of thing. But it does have a seed-based uh, procedural generation, so uh, you're able to uh, kind of tweak the uh, procedural generation if you find a world that you like. And it's a very heavily RPG roguelike, where you're on a particular mission going into this dungeon, and I'm not 100% certain on the mission just at this point, because I'm still you know, fairly early in the game, but it's impressed me for a couple of reasons. One is its job system. Uh, you are playing a set character, Emily, who is going into this dungeon, and 
I'm not sure if the story is actually on the game or, or, or not. It's uh, essentially people in this world uh, get drawn to the Tangle Deep to uh, adventure into it. And nobody's 100% certain why. Uh, they say that they get, uh, uh, they feel the touch. So, yeah, the people that go to Tangle Deep, they're touched. And it's a, a very traditional roguelike on that sense, where you're going down into a dungeon, uh, it's turn-based, uh, gr- uh, grid-based movement, where you go through and, you know, try to fight all the baddies, go down at the level, uh, uh, rinse and repeat. The job system, though, kind of changes things up, where whenever you set, uh, start off on a new game, you choose a job. And as you uh, fight things, you build up job points as well as experience points. And once you get enough job points by defeating enemies, doing quests, because there's uh, many quests in the main camp as well that you could do, some are a little bit more insane than others, which I'll get into in a little bit, uh, you gain job points and you're able to spend them on getting different abilities. And then you could start mixing and matching based on the different abilities you unlock because you're free to switch jobs at any time as long as you're able to pay the fee or find a scroll of job changing i like that scroll scroll of job uh, changing there's actually a quite straightforward a, no there's actually well it's not quite called that but there's a few you know kind of funny puns or funny uh things like uh, you can find a, a a pouch of pebbles that teaches you the throw stone ability and it says uh, something like uh, I can see it on my epitaph now. Uh, Emily uh, lost all her weapons and died throwing stones at monsters. <laughs> it, it's not heavy yeah. on comedy, but it's one of these games that it knows when to use it. Uh, there's a little bit here and there, uh, but it's not over the top. And uh, I really ap- kind of appreciate that a lot more. Just, you know, there's little bits of humor here and there. Uh, but as you build up uh, the job system and you go through and you start, you're able to start mixing and matching the different jobs. And also, as you stick with particular jobs and spend more job points in that job, you unlock passives in that uh, job as well. So uh, the one I started off with was, uh, it wasn't Paladin, but it, it was a, basically a Paladin uh, because it, okay. uh, it was an easier job. Uh, and uh, it ha- uses a charge system where as you block a, uh, attacks, it builds up a, a wrath meter and then your abilities gain extra damage from uh, expending those charges. Well, when I changed jobs, I lost the ability to j- uh, generate those wrath charges, so those abilities were less powerful, but I could mix and match those abilities, so, you know, I could uh, I had the ability that Basically, uh, was Thor, where I threw out a uh, a magical hammer, and it traveled out over a, ser- a series of turns, and then would return and damage everything in the path. Well, that was still very powerful, even though you know it wasn't getting the full benefit of the. Uh, I'm just going to call it the Paladin class for lack of a better term, mostly because I forget what what the name of it is. Uh, but because I changed the Sword Dancer, which is a more agility based. Uh, a job that's uh, bounced around pairing away attacks and more area control. I was able to use that as aerial denial while focusing down uh, a particularly difficult monster. 
and I've found that the uh, job system, because I was able to mix and match pretty freely on uh, the abilities, as long as I just went through and unlocked them, uh, was uh, very intriguing to me. It's uh, a game that I think if you're a min-maxer, you're absolutely going to love. But also, if you like tinkering around with things, I think there's uh, quite a bit here. Uh, there's uh, not a lot of tutorial to the game to really explain to you what the hell is going on, especially with uh, skills and uh, stats, but that's kind of yeah, par for the course for rogue likes. And I keep having to say like uh, with a strong like because I'm so used to rogue lights calling themselves rogue likes that you know, I'm kind of tripping, tripping over myself, you know? Uh, but Indeed. Uh, you're doing a good job. But you're... Uh, well, thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, but uh, it, it's a very interesting job system. Uh, usually what you have a freedom uh, to change jobs. Uh, there's uh, you know, a caveat that you lose all your abilities or that sort of thing. But no, it's pretty much just uh, you lose the passives, which you know, if you find a passive that you really like, maybe you want to hold on to it. Uh, but there's also mini quests that you could do, which kind of ties into a little bit of the backtracking in the game. Where uh, one of the characters in uh, the central camp will uh, tell you a rumor that's going on. And it will be, okay, on this particular floor, there's a, a rumor that there's a slime that likes to eat John uh, pumpkins. So I want you to go test this theory by finding the slime and dropping a giant pumpkin around it and seeing what happens. Oh, and by the way, you're not allowed to change your gear while you do so. Yeah, a very, uh, yeah, uh, fairly easy uh, 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 rumor, but then there's some others that are, you know, uh, go defeat this boss on this, uh, or this mini boss on this other dungeon floor, and you can only take so much health damage before then. So you have to be a little bit more strategic, but they uh, reward both experience, job points, and usually some sort of really good item. But you don't have to take them to progress because the uh, dungeon floors do regenerate monsters to some extent. So you are able to grind out if you find yourself in a bit of a bond on a level of loss, uh, which is where more kind of leans towards the RPG aspect of uh, roguelikes, where it's, uh, yeah, it's very... Uh, uh, kind of an old school almost JRPG-esque where it expects you to do either some of the side quests or just go grind a little bit to be able to progress a little bit because uh, there are some substantial jumps particularly after the first boss which is actually a pretty damn difficult fight <laughs> but thankfully I had my uh, ever uh, loving uh, pet with me Red which is another system that I found uh, very intriguing in the game. It has a full pet uh, management, capture, and breeding system in it. <laughs> Ooh, fun. Where, uh, you'll, you'll love this. Uh, care to guess how you uh, capture a pet? Uh, you, f you battle it and reduce its health and then throw a spherical-shaped object at no, it. No, but there are eggs that you could throw uh, that spawn to random monsters, which are pretty much Pokemon. Uh, Fun. And I had a phone vibrate, and I think it's the one that doesn't want to mute itself. I'm going to have to figure out how, uh, yeah, how to mute it completely. Uh, but uh, you uh, reduce its health uh, to under 15%. Then you bash its fucking brains in. 
with a mallet. Nice. And they even say, well, uh, you, uh, and then you have to drag it back home. Uh, you have a uh, free use of a teleport uh, spell, but it takes several turns for it to go off. Uh, so, you know, you have that kind of risk reward there going on. Uh, and its health is reduced to such a point that, yeah, pretty much it gets one shot if you're not careful. Uh, you have it cleared out the area. But uh, they uh, say, oh, you don't have to worry about uh, you know, it waking up anytime soon. It's quite uh, clobbered. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you drag it back home and you put in the corral and you uh, build up its happiness by feeding it. And then you're actually able to breed them, I think. there There's a relationship system between the various uh, monsters. Oh, and um, I may have started capturing bandits, uh, which it counts as monsters, by the way. <laughs> so, uh, amongst all the random frogs and lions and everything that ha- or lion-esque creatures, I should say, there's a couple bandits and there's a chemist in there. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. And, I'm, pr- That's and cool. I'm pretty sure that they're able to be bred as well. I'm not 100% mm. certain what the uh, you know, end result of this is, but uh, the monsters do gain experience. So as you uh, level and you keep a t- particular pet with you, it eventually gets pretty powerful. Uh, the starting one that it gives you, uh, a frog, it uh, has a, a fungal regrowth on it that essentially allows it to pretty much take care of itself for a good number of floors. And you're also able to buy insurance on your pet. So, you know, if it dies instead of uh, it uh, escaping and taking severe uh, damage to its happiness and being locked out for several game days, uh, it just, yeah, you you pay up uh, front a a, a few hundred coins and then you're able to, uh, you know, let your pet die and they will just rescue it and it it won't mind a bit. Uh, But... Uh, speaking of the days, that is probably my biggest complaint about the game, is that a lot of the game is built around this day system, where as you progress through the dungeon, a certain amount of time passes uh, in the story. And for like uh, the pets, especially, if uh, my starter pet eventually just was overwhelmed uh, in the boss fight and was killed, and I didn't know about the pet insurance at the time because it was a sub-menu of the corral that I didn't go down. So I lost the the ability to use my pet for three days, but three days is a certain number of floors going through. It's not a certain amount of time played. So if I go back and grind, that's not time off of being able to use my pet. It's just, you know, Tom, that I'm building up experience and job points to be able to progress further down in the dungeon, which then uh, starts progressing Tom again. And also, the different merchants and uh, quests are all linked to this Tom system. And I found it uh, rather annoying that, okay, well, I pretty much just have to uh, uh, progress through the uh, main uh, dungeon now because there's not a lot to do. And yeah, I pretty much emptied out all the vendors. Unless the vendors are on a different timer that just happen to coincide, which is possible. But occasionally you'll just see, okay, it's day seven. Okay, well, I let my uh, frog die on day five. He's pissed with me uh, for three days, so I need one more day, then I can use my uh, my starter frog again. 
Uh, so yeah, that was a bit of an annoyance. And also, uh, well, this is an annoyance, but this is an interesting, interesting system. Is there's also a gardening system, where as you're fighting, you uh, occasionally find seeds that you can uh, plant and grow up trees, which grow over the course of just a few days. And whenever you return to town or camp or whatever you want to call it, it also uh, gives you various food items and uh, uh, gold and that sort of thing. Uh, but you're also able to chop down the trees to gain uh, the experience and job points that they kind of pulled for you. Uh, so if you find something that you want instead of you know, the starter ones that you found, uh, you're able to you know not have that just be time lost, which is an interesting way to do it. Yeah, but yeah, overall, outside of the time system, I found it a, a very good intro to the roguelike uh, system or roguelike genre. It's not a particularly hard game, at least on the difficulty I'm playing on, which I'm treating it more like an RPG with a you know, a very nasty death mechanic instead of a full on uh, you know uh, Iron Man mode. Uh, but overall, it's been fun so far. It has some uh, pretty nice art. Uh, I eventually just turned down the music because you know it is on loop and this is a roguelike so you know you're kind of going through the same areas or the same set of area the same kind of like biome for quite a while so it started to get a little old um i'm just looking through the screenshots see if there's anything i'm missing oh the pandora's boxes uh, that's something is that every so often in the dungeon you find pandora's box which is these golden chests and uh, they're a double-edged sword where they uh, increase the amount of drops that enemies give, but they also increase the, uh, well, essentially the level, the difficulty of the enemies. So it's kind of a, a, a bouncing act of how much you could do uh, before you know, things start to get too difficult, where you're starting to burn through your flash charges, which is your primary healing item outside of food. It's uh, It's one of the more potent ones, I should say, where... Occasionally, you find a fountain in the dungeon that you could store up uh, these healing charges, and then you could expend them at any time. And they're pretty potent. And also, as you uh, start to level up, you start to get flask upgrades, which uh, I believe the one I got was after using a flask, I get a very high amount of dodge and parry for a short time, uh, just a few turns. Uh, but it can be used as a buff, uh, a buffing system as well. And this is on top of the character leveling system, which is the pretty much the traditional, you know, do you want to put points in strength, uh, agility, uh, stamina, that sort of thing. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's any other odd systems about this. Oh, there is a free move system as well. As you start to get more speed to try to emulate a fast character, uh, there's an extra turn mechanic where depending on the amount of speed you have in your equipment you gain a certain percentage of uh, of extra turn points and once it hits 100% you're essentially given a free turn without any of the enemies taking an action and uh, some of the abilities also kind of uh, play into this to try to uh, add a little bit more of a strategic depth which I actually really appreciate you can see it on most of the screenshots, the extra turn uh, percentage. Uh, and there's also items that also directly manipulate that, like uh, a, a cup of coffee may give you a certain amount of, percent of uh, CT, which is the uh, the short-term, uh, the cool-down timer for it. 
uh, a certain percentage of it or a certain amount of it, uh, or it may expend some of it to be able to do a different attack. So uh, it's another bouncing act to try to uh, min-max if you really want to, but so far I haven't found the game terribly difficult except for a few encounters. And some of the mini-bosses could be rather interesting. And like I said, there's a bit of humor here and there. There's uh, The job system has made it a very flexible uh, way to build up characters and a way to uh, kind of experience the game. Uh, I just unlocked a new vendor in the camp, so uh, slowly the camp starts to evolve, it seems. Uh, and I also unlocked the ability to uh, go into weapons and try to unlock hidden memories within the weapons to make them more powerful, essentially reliving the uh, item's past adventures because pretty much all the items in this world were carried by previous adventurers who died in the dungeon and then others picked up the items and brought them back to sell, even if you, uh, or, or you just found them in the dungeon yourself. Uh, because, yeah, that's just the way this world works. <clears throat> but it's an interesting way to try to deal with a, a, an item regression system as well, where you go into the uh, item, into the memory of the item, uh, to unlock its hidden potential uh, into a, a, essentially a mini dungeon. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else, and I'm not coming up with anything else, and I'm out of screenshots, so I think that's it. Okay. Uh, any questions? Oh, this sounds interesting. I'm. Mm, I don't think so. I'm tempted just for a dollar on the humble uh, bundle. I would say it, uh, the humble bundle is well worth it this time around on the dollar tier. I'm very tempted. Very. Uh, I would say it's a I'll very good it. office game for you, because it's a roguelike. It's turn based, right. so everything is based around your movement. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm strongly considering it. We'll see. I'll think about it. Uh, is the Humble Bundle... It's, it's, it it's still on, it? on for just under a week. Okay, so i got plenty of time to decide. Cool. Well, the other game I played is called The Wild Age. This is another game. It just released into Early Access, I think, today or yesterday? A couple of days ago? Um, well, this looks uh, few days sort ago. of like the old world, or sorry, the old Warcraft games, sort of. <laughs> yeah. So what this is, is this is um a town management game? Um, I, I say that sort of questioningly. There's, it, it's this interesting mix of relaxed, simple, streamlined, but then at times it can be incredibly hectic and frantic. Um... So what the game is, is that you play as the sort of leader of a band of people. There's not really a story in place that I have been able to gather so far. But essentially you're going from one end of this island chain to another. Um, and you can kind of see like the big overworld map um, on one of the screenshots. Um, where it says select your island. And you know, you start at one, you work your way to ten. And the challenges get more difficult on each one that you go to. The first one is just survive 10 days. And then it's, you know, uh, hunt. They, they cycle and repeat. So it's survive 10 days, hunt a certain number of animals, kill a certain number of enemies, which they're like these little orc guys that spawn. Um, I can't remember what the fourth one is. 
And then there's one that's like build a boat. And I don't know. I haven't seen anything that allows me to build boats yet. So I don't know what that's about. I mean, obviously building a boat, but I don't know how that plays in. Every level looks the same with just some randomization stuff thrown in. Um, it's this very long, narrow um, path that are sort of broken up into squares that are easily, like you can see them subdivided by either mounds uh, of dirt where you can build walls on those or creeks, but you can build farms on those to bring in extra income. And uh, you're in the middle, and you can expand, or expand either direction, left or right. Uh, and there's reasons to do so, uh, getting to certain resources or having greater protection for your citizens. Um, you start with just two guys. Like, it gives you some starting coins. You build, like, a little camp. You start with two guys, and basically you assign one of them as a worker and one of them as a, an archer. And each of the guys have little roles that they, you can assign them to. Um, workers can build stuff. There are um, woodcutters who go cut trees, obviously. Imagine that. Um, <laughs> there's archers who serve as defense at, at nighttime when the enemies spawn. And then at daytime, they will go beyond your settlement walls to the rest of the tiles to hunt animals to bring back. Uh, I mean, everything just gets translated into coins. So um, they'll bring back coins from the animals that they've killed. And the woodcutters, they cut down trees. The trees are how you expand. You have to completely clear a tile set before you can build on it. So cleared of trees, um, except for a couple of special buildings. And then the more you, that you clear out, the more animals that spawn in, in meadows, which are, is what's created when you clear out an entire tile of trees. There will be animals that do spawn in the trees, um, but they spawn much more infrequently or in, in the forests. Um, whereas animals spawn at a regular rate on meadows. So the woodcutters clear those out, and there's also a chance they can generate coins from trees, but they don't always. Then there's sort of generic uh, people. I think they're just called settlers, and they don't really have a job. They just hang out in your camp. The only thing that they really do is if there's any coins that get left lying around, like um, whenever you, the people run past you, they'll drop the coins for you to pick them up. But if you miss them, like you're just riding past on your horse or you're not close enough for them to collect, a settler that's there will pick them up and keep them safe from bandits. And then whenever you come by, the settler will give them to you. Uh, and then there's farmers who run or till the farms. And every 24 hours in game time, they will harvest crops and bring back coins to you. Uh, and then depending on what the season is, there's different bonuses. So spring and fall... Uh, there's no bonus or no negative. In the summer, there is a bonus, and in the winter, there's a negative it's, that changes the coin value that they bring in per harvest. And you have to keep all of this managed, keep your money managed, build up your camp in order to uh, complete whatever the objective is. So as you progress through the days, there are more enemies that spawn more frequently, and they get more powerful. So um, you have to keep your camp from being overrun and on the ones where that it's just survive X number of days, there's no other objective. You just have to hold out for however many days it tells you to. Um, but the other ones, the other objectives are more difficult. So killing animals, um, there's only a certain amount that spawn every day, even if you clear out all the meadows. So you have to have enough archers to be able to go far enough beyond the walls to 
get the animals and bring them back, but you can't overspend on archers without developing your defensive walls enough so that they don't get broken down in the middle of the night. Because you kind of get in this loop whenever you start to fail. Um, you know, you'll be able to survive a few nights, but you'll have people... Yeah, you'll get in a failure spiral. So what happens is they'll destroy your walls, which you have to pay to rebuild. And the job specialization is sort of like a level of health. Think like Mario when you get the mushroom or a fire flower or something. Like having that thing gives them like one health, basically. And they can take an attack from a bandit or from a, not a bandit, but from a, uh, from an orc. They're like orc guys that spawn. They can take an attack, but they lose their specialty and they retreat back to the camp. But if they get hit again when they're inside your main camp, then they will die. And then you'll have to go and find new settlers. Um, and even if they do survive, you still have to pay whatever the, the amount of coins it is to get them the tools for their specialty. And the different specialties cost different amounts of coins. But yes, you do wind up in this uh, failure spiral where they, you know you might be able to survive a couple of nights of things going wrong. But from that point, you're just basically trying to hold out. And if the mission is just survive X number of days, then that's potentially doable if you made it close enough before the death spiral takes place. But if it's the other objectives, you're pretty much fucked. Because then you you know, you know spend the rest of your time trying to fix what's broken and you can't progress. So I, I didn't have too much trouble after the first couple of times just sort of getting everything figured out. Um, it's got, you know, the game's obviously got three, or got difficulty settings. There's three, easy, normal, and hard. Uh, the easy difficulty halves the cost of most of the big upgrades. So your defensive walls, you can build um, towers that where soldiers can't be hurt and they can shoot farther and more accurately, but they can't leave the walls to go hunt. Um, and then there's a couple other things. And then hard mode doubles the cost of things. Um, the enemy spawns seem to be random. I haven't really noticed a difference in the difficulty modes. Sometimes you'll get hit, you know, multiple nights in a row. Sometimes it's sort of an on-again, off-again, you know, pattern. Sometimes you can go multiple nights without getting hit. Um, I didn't play very much in hard mode, just a little bit to get a feel for it. So actually hard mode may have more frequent enemy spawns. But I was still learning and I didn't like how that everything cost more. So I, I restarted that level on a normal difficulty. Um, easy definitely feels too easy. Uh, it's, vi you know, it's very easy to expand build multiple layers of walls and then you can pretty much survive anything that comes at you i did play through one level on easy that i was kind of struggling with but as you complete each level you unlock new things um not really straight up bonuses there's a couple that are straight up bonuses but most of them are just unlocks so there's a a very basic sort of character creator or selector um, and there's a male and a female version of four or five different classes there's like there's a knight there's a, a royalty so it's like prince or princess there's a mage and there's one other one that i'm drawing a blank on and they have sort of um a a set bonus uh and negative thing that they have that applies to them so for the knight all of your walls get plus five health um and i think it's it's cost one less coin to create archers but um, more enemies spawn to attack you. So, you know, pluses and minuses. Uh, and then you have a mount, so you're always mounted. Um, and they've got some fun stuff. Like, you start with just horses, but you can ride a bear, you can ride an elk, you can ride a giant rabbit. 
there was a wolf, like a giant dire wolf. And the animals have different stats. The horse is balanced, so they, you know, are right in the middle on everything. But the bears, for example, when you're in a forest, so, you know, a, a tile that hasn't been completely cleared, they run faster, but they run slower on uh, meadows. And there was something else that the bear did. Uh, and I looked at a couple others. I haven't unlocked any of the different mounts yet, so I didn't really pay super close attention to everything that they did. But they do have like a basic speed and a basic uh, durability. So whenever you take hits from the orc bandits, they will steal one coin from you until you're at zero coins. And then based on the durability rating of your animal, you take an, a certain number of hits before you lose what looks kind of like a charter. I I guess it's like, you know, the deed to your plot of land or whatever. It doesn't really say what it is. And you've got a few seconds to pick it back up. But if one of the bandits gets that, then you fail and you lose. So the your your mount's durability tells you how much uh, how many hits they can take. Oh, it's stamina. Stamina's the other thing. So, um, you know, you can trot or walk, you know, an infinite amount. But whenever you're sprinting, you have a stamina meter for your, your animal. Uh, and with the horses, at least, it lasts for like 60 seconds. You can run pretty much from the middle to one end of the map without needing to uh, rest. And there are patches where you can see like grass. And there, there's different ones, I assume, that different animals eat different things. But you can walk over and you can feed your mount. And they will very quickly regenerate their entire stamina bar. It's like from zero to full is three, four seconds. But otherwise, it just slowly regenerates while you walk around or stand still. <laughs> Tis but a scratch, indeed. Um, it's just very simple and cute. The music is nice. Trying to, uh, there's a few other customization things that don't really matter in terms of like gameplay mechanics. It's just for flair. You can, you know, create a seal or, or choose. Sorry, not create. You can choose from a number of uh, crests or seals. Um, you can choose what your coin is. I obviously picked one that was a heart coin because, of course, I would. Uh, and you can pick the color of your coin purse that shows up on your screen and tells you how much money you have. Gee, I wonder what color you chose. Actually, I picked green. A little surprising. Yeah, green's my favorite color. But uh, once the, again, but, yeah, a, the game a is surprising. <laughs> the game is very, very cute, very a very simple, clean, nice art style. The music is very calm and soothing. And generally, the game is very calm. But there are those moments when your uh, archers shout, you know, bandits over here, and you see. 30 guys sprinting across the courtyard. You're like, oh shit, you know, must be about to get real. And there's like an army of orc bandits like marching towards your walls and trying to break them down. There's there's nothing that you can do from like a combat perspective. You have no fighting, no abilities. It, it's just 100% you have to manage properly and try and keep things, um, you know, properly maintained and the right balance of everything. There's other buildings that unlock as you go. You can get like a bank, which lets you, you know, bank money and earn interest that you can withdraw later on if you need it. There's a trade trader guy that comes by your base every day. And if you invest money with him, he will return you with money the next day. Um, and you can upgrade him in the amount of money you get. Um, there's a way to... So the normal way you recruit settlers is you go out into the woods and you find vagrants and you pay them money. And they come to your base and become settlers. 
but at a certain point you unlock a way to just recruit settlers within your own base um it, it costs more money but you don't have to wander up beyond your walls uh, there's a there's a couple of other little things but for the most part everything's geared towards getting the different uh jobs for your settlers so that you can maintain your base and work on whatever the objective is the only thing i really have negative to say about the game at this point is that once you get into a good groove and sort of figure out what works to complete the specified objective so for example for hunting you don't want to expand your territory by building walls because when you've got the wall like animals only spawn outside of your walled in territory so you are want you the making the wildlife amount. pay for it? Yes, I do make the wildlife pay for it. Because they bring me money when they die. But you want to keep your territory as small as possible so that you get the maximum amount of animal spawns. Um, but for the killing enemies, you want to have the highest amount of income so you can keep the most soldiers going, which that comes from farms. So you want to expand as far as you can to build as many farms as possible to keep as many soldiers as possible. Um, and then when it's surviving days, you kind of want to strike a balance. Um, like I said, I don't know what the building ship, building the boat is for yet because I haven't gotten there. But once you sort of figure out what the optimal strategy is and the best way for you, like based on your play style, to accomplish that strategy, it's just repeat and for longer periods of time. So unless there's something at the later difficulties that adds an interesting twist to the game that I just haven't gotten to yet, once you figure out how to solve the problem, it's just, okay, repeat this and sit around and wait until I have won the mission, then go to the next one, do the thing that works for whatever that mission tells me to, repeat, and so forth. Uh, it's got a free play mode that I haven't checked out yet, but you don't. there's a couple of things that I haven't unlocked yet because I haven't gotten far enough. So until I get everything, I'm not going to worry about trying free play. But uh, it is, it's good. I like it. Um, it's, it just, like I said, it released into early access a few days ago. It's got a demo that you can check out. I don't know how far you can actually play in the demo. But uh, for where it's at, it's very stable. The, they've got a really good frame, a really good baseline here. And if they continue to put uh, effort into it, continue to develop things, I could see this being a nice, cute, relaxing game to play. It just needs a little bit more variety beyond sort of the cosmetic stuff and the few changes that being a different uh, character or having a different mount can give you. Like unlock but different play styles. Yeah, there just needs to be more viable ways to play than just figure out what the solution to the puzzle is, essentially, and then do that. It's very min-maxy in that way. But I liked it. I definitely liked it. Let's just see. Oh, there is one thing I missed, which there's a pet system that you unlock. The pets don't, other than look cool and pick up stray coins on the ground, it doesn't seem like the pets do anything. But, you know, they're nice to have. Got a cute little fox pet. This game looks like it would run pretty well on pretty much anything. Um, it's got very simple graphics settings. It was running at, you know, 150 FPS on my rig. Uh, I haven't tried it on my laptop. 
but I feel like this would be the type of game that would run on most hardware. So it's pretty good. If you're, uh, you know, if you like what I've talked about, it might be worth the 15 bucks to you. I definitely have enjoyed my time with it so far. Uh, but if, you know, you want to wait to see if there's more or if it sounds good, but 15 sounds like too much for you, I'm sure this game will go on sale at some point. You know, it just released, so. It's fun. I enjoy it. And that's it for games we played, I think, unless you have any last thing to uh, add. Not really. I mean, it sounds uh, like it's one of those games that kind of... I don't want to really call it tower defense, but there's a uh, more focus on battle and uh, combat than most town builders. Yeah, definitely. I, they called it, or they say it has a tower defense flare, I think, in here somewhere. Is it 30-some uh, pieces? It says, The Wild Age is a micromanagement strategy game with tower defense gameplay mechanics. So, not flare, but... I mean, they acknowledge it's got tower defense stuff in it. You know, so a little more focus on that combat aspect. But, yeah, I liked it. Yeah, it sounds like it's Alrighty. better than some of the ones I played in that kind of, you know, in-between genre. So. Indeed. All uh, right. Well, let's go talk about some. Oh, sorry. Were you well, gonna... I was, no, I was going to ask the. Uh, did you want to hit the elevator before we start on the valve train? I'm All good. Right. So, our first news topic of the night: Valve removes Rape Day from Steam. Oh boy! Right. <laughs> yeah. First of all, why? What the? F- why? What is up? Hmm. I. I. Mm, this Valve. It's Valve. So, if I was doing anything in charge of anything, and something came across my desk that said Rape Day on it, oh, here's the th- I would immediately slap a big old red X on that and it'd be like, nope, let's get that out of here. You, I don't want to have to deal with whatever controversy that, that is. You think that these things go across somebody's desks. I know. I know. Uh, I definitely agree with Valve not wanting to touch this, but the way that they're approaching it uh, makes me question, you know, uh, what this means in the long term because they said uh, it poses unknown costs and risks, therefore won't be on Steam. Why don't you just call it a troll game and be done with it? Don't they have provisions? Yeah, yeah that's, that, that's exactly that's... what I was talking about is that one of their provisions is that uh, trolls and uh, joke games or, or non-games is what they call them or fake games or whatever the proper term they were using in-house was are pretty much uh, one of the few things that they would say, nope. But uh, unknown yeah. costs and risks, uh, you can use that to paint a fairly wide brush. I, I realize I'm using the slippery slope fallacy, but Valve has gone back and forth on their policy on several things, uh, you know, pretty recently, actually. Uh, actually. So, yeah, I, I think I'm a little bit warranted there, don't you? Yeah, I think so. Um, here it is. So they say, we respect developers' desires to express themselves and the purpose of Steam is to help developers find an audience. But this developer has chosen content matter and a way of representing it that makes it very difficult for us to help them do that. That is like no shit, guys. I mean, if they approached it with a different way, maybe trying to uh, fend it off as a uh, as a way, you know... Uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, maybe I'm just taking the George Carlin approach 
where uh, uh, anything can be talked about, anything can be joked about. And he actually used rape as an example. Or have you ever heard this joke? Uh, I think I've heard, I, I've heard, or I've seen like the quote of like, you know, that, but I don't think I've uh, heard the joke. Imagine Porky Pig trying to fuck Elmer Fudd. <laughs> trying <laughs> to rape funny. him. <laughs> That's still funny. <laughs> yeah. I, I do agree that anything can be talked about, anything can be joked about, but looking at this from the perspective of, uh, like... Especially with how they're approaching you know, it. That's the thing. Yeah. But, like, the perspective of any retailer of any kind yeah. selling anything... Yeah, I can definitely understand like, why they uh, want to back away, but, yo, know, just call it a troll game uh, and be done with it. Using this language makes me think that they're trying to set up for, yeah. You know, going after some of the games that they find a little bit more questionable that they can't really say, well, this is a troll. Uh, maybe I'm being tinfoil yeah. hatty on this. Uh, and uh, it feels weird uh, you know, uh, saying this uh, whenever they're talking about a game called Rape Day uh, because I'm not coming out in defense of it because I've seen yeah. some of the screenshots of this and it was you know, definitely... Uh, you know, it was a little bit rapey. Uh, I would say very. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess, I mean, my biggest thing is I can't believe that they let it get to this point. Oh, I can't. Like. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's Valve, so pretty much anything gets a fast track. Yeah, I can believe that Valve would do it, but like every other part of me is like, really, guys? But I mean, Valve doesn't have people do anything. It's algorithms. It's all algorithms and bots. Or crowdsourcing. And just, and just pay some money. Uh, well, don't forget the crowdsourcing, you know, the tags. So, you know, the tag system yeah. works uh, uh, flawlessly. Uh, but the fact that it's drawn ire from the UK government, because, you know, they don't have anything better to do right now. <laughs> yeah, they totally have all of their other problems in the whole <laughs> world sorted out. And, I mean, I get it. This is a, a, a thing that's definitely worth talking about. But, I mean... You know, there is that whole Brexit deal going on, <laughs> which another deal was just rejected today. See, I didn't uh, hear about the vote or the uh, outcome of the vote. I knew that they had a vote. Uh, and it did not pass. Well, one of the things I do in the mornings is I listen to the BBC News and uh, listen to Theresa May say, well, if you do not accept this, uh, Brexit may not even happen. I'm thinking um, that may be the point that they're going for. Uh, but uh, let's see um, who said this. A British member of Parliament has slammed Val, or, or sorry, slammed Steam uh, over the recent rape day controversy, calling for a government review because yep, th them pull uh, them pulling the game is a reason to review, right? Yeah, utterly abhorrent I mean, they're, material. They're said the government. Uh, uh, and said that the government must commit to getting around uh, the table and sorting this issue for good. Get, getting around the table. I guess the Queen's English. We're next to the round table. Um, uh, the content of this game is utterly perverted. Well, that's kind of the point of the game. It's time for the UK government to undertake a full review into just how much tech companies and gaming platforms, specifically Steam, are able to get away with with this kind of stupidity. Um, British government, I don't think you're allowed to talk about uh, other people's stupidity right now. 
The culture uh, uh, to seek forgiveness rather than permission is a strain on an industry that is otherwise has potential to be a real force for good. Okay, they have a point there, but I would say it's not over this. I would say it's just uh, industry standards to begin with. Yeah, also, I don't know how much of this is going to is is serious versus political posturing yeah i would i mean i don't blame them for wanting to discuss this for wanting to try and find a solution i mean you know we've talked about this before i'd much rather the industry be able to police itself but it seems more and more likely that it's not doing that and has attracted a lot of attention from governments over the last year or so so i don't blame them for wanting to do this but one like i said i don't know how much this political posturing Two, I don't know what they would actually be able to do since Valve or since yeah, since Valve is uh, an American company. I mean, there could be some restrictions or some something that they could do, but I'm not sure how much control they could actually. Well, maybe they could take the EU on them. Have here. <laughs> I was about to say possibly, and then my brain went, mm, "I see what you're doing there." <laughs> See what you're doing there. Oh, I'm sorry. I couldn't help myself on that one. <laughs> Just the... Yeah. Uh, uh, you're going to mainly go in and make sure that Paul stays there. I I will do that. <laughs> well played. Well played. But yeah, I just... You know, I guess this is going to be one of those things where you have to wait and see how how much of what it is and how it plays out. But I don't blame them for wanting to discuss it. It is fucking stupid. This whole thing is fucking stupid from start to finish front to back side to side like there are many points along the way where if anyone had actually went hmm or actually what is or, this or looked at the file names coming in yeah yeah because this is the same system where we've seen multiple copies of was it counter-strike go that uh, has gotten through we've seen half-life 3 that's gone through <laughs> I mean, Valve's yeah. own games. You would think that they would put a blacklist on uh, you know, their own IPs, right? <laughs> yeah. But or no. at least have some sort of uh, trigger Are where, you... okay, you uh, name something that has the uh, word Half-Life in it. We're going to at least take a look at it. Yeah. if the, Even if they don't want to do the sensible thing, which is have someone check everything that comes through or a group of someone. Just put a, a flag up if you put rape or something that is blatantly racist or sexist in your title, you know, that gets flagged for human review. And you know what? A bunch of that stuff, they might say, you know what? This is not something that I would personally be into, but we're not gonna, we're not gonna pull this because we don't, you know, it, this is one of those things that, like, someone can make their own decision about. But then there would be other things that I'm sure they'd be like, yeah, we don't want this on our store because of the message that it, you know, puts off for us. And, you know, this is going to come up later. I'm not segueing into this, but there are other storefronts that are being pretty aggressive with trying to get bigger or more interesting titles away from Steam. And this is something that a lot of developers might look at and say, you know what? I don't want to be on the same storefront where someone doesn't care if a, a title, you know, a game called Rape Day goes up. So while, you know, I don't necessarily agree with all the practices, which we're going to get into later, but I, I could see how this could hurt them in more ways than just making them look bad to the public. Yeah, and the fact that it even got to this point, yeah, where 
uh, there was an outcry about it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this uh, this game yeah. should have never seen the light of day on uh, Steam to begin with. Yeah, I saw some somewhere. It might have been on uh, Jimquisition or something. But there was like an interview that was done with the guy who made the game. And he was like, yeah, maybe Steam wasn't the best place to put my game. Maybe I should have put it on my own or tried to sell it on my own website. <laughs> it's like, yeah, maybe. That might have been a good idea. Yeah, but think of all the fl- uh, free publicity he's gotten now. That is very true. Very true. Uh, because yeah, yeah, so. this would have been a very yeah, you know, very few people would have seen this game before. Uh, if he had it on his own little website in the dark uh, recesses of the interwebs, but now because you know, uh, yeah, the British MPs are talking about it uh, and talking about how they should uh, censure uh, uh, Valve and. Uh, isn't this the same government that recently uh, outlawed uh, sodomy in uh, their porn? Yes. <laughs> because, yeah, uh, uh, butt sex is uh, definitely uh, you know, uh, way too perverted, right? Definitely. And spanking. That's too perverted. There's a bunch of stuff that they censored or tried to censor. I'm not quite sure how that all went, but. Uh, but, yeah, it's just, this is just so stupid. <laughs> Uh, that it, it got to this point to begin with. Uh, but, you know, their policy is just completely hands off until it causes trouble. Then they go in and uh, try to fix it. So, of course, it's going to cause problems to over and over and over again. Right. They even said it here in this article. Much of our policy around what we distribute is and must be reactionary. We simply have to wait and see what comes to us via Steam Direct. So... Good luck constantly putting out your tire fires, your dumpster fires, Valve. Yeah, speaking of dumpster fires. I mean, they've done a... Yeah, sure. In in other Valve news. <laughs> in other dumpster Valve fire terminates, uh, news. Valve terminates contract with Artifact Designer. Who is the uh, creative mind behind uh, you know, a little card game called Magic the Gathering. Mm, yeah, real tiny. I don't think anybody's really ever heard of that. Or, yo, definitely never spent money uh, on it. Definitely. It, it was really a gigantic failure. Oh, wait. No, it wasn't. It was one of the most successful card games of all time. <laughs> if not the most successful. I'm not sure on that one, but it's up there. So, yes. Uh, Artifact has been on a nosedive since day one. I saw an article, I think it was last week or maybe over the weekend, that said that they had lost 99% of their player base. And it says here in this article well, the that 20... their average, oh, oh, go ahead. Their average is at five hundred and seventy-three point five players for the last thirty well, days. Well, their twenty-four uh, hour peak right now is four hundred twenty-nine. Mm. Yeah. So um, they went wrong. Um, uh, yeah, they definitely went wrong. I I have heard. I mean, I haven't played it. I've seen some stuff about it. I've watched some videos about the game. I've heard some pretty good things about it in terms of gameplay. Which... But the uh, business model... Uh, sorry, I was going to say, I just did a quick calculation. Is was uh, 0.7% of their all-time peak. Oh, my. But their, their business model was terrible. There's just too many 
It, it was monetized good. as a free-to-play game, but it had a $20 buy-in, and there was no free route. Yeah. And with... I, I almost said there's just too many good games. There's too many juggernaut games on the market in this space for Valve to just come in, even Valve, and be like, all right, we're going to charge you to come in at a premium to this. Um... I think that, and then also continue to charge you for card packs. I think that, that, that there is room for a living card game, you know, a card game that you buy into and you get the entire set. Yeah, uh, but Valve did not do that. They wanted uh, essentially uh, the best of both worlds, where you bought in, but you still had to buy in for the individual packs. I mean, it's just it, it seems utterly insane that it launched in this state. Yeah. I do agree with you that I think there's room for a living card game. You know, I don't know what a reasonable buy-in would be, but, you know. I would say the $15 you in, you the whole thing. range. $15 or $20. Yeah. yeah, that sounds that sounds good. I'd, I'd pay that for a game that was good. I got everything, and then, you know, you just buy expansions, so to speak, and you'll get all the all the cards from that. Like, there's room for that game, but... You can't, as as proven by Valve, you can't do both. You have to pick one. Or, if you are going to do both, you can't do it the way that they did it. Yeah. You might be able to get by with a much smaller buy-in, like if it was $5 to get the base, and then all the other Just card Just to packs. try to uh, screen out the bots. Yeah. People might have gone for that. Or they had some but, sort of free route as well because everything in the game was paid when it launched. Uh, you had to buy the card packs or you had to buy the individual cards. Uh, the arena mode, which most people said was the most fun, had a ticket system uh, like Hearthstone does and there was no route to be able to build up a currency to be able to buy the k- tickets outside of just you know swiping your credit card. Uh, uh, even the game itself, it took too long to play through a round uh, that a lot of people are turned off by it, and it was a very good stream game because it was so complex with the uh, going back and forth between the individual lanes that it wasn't a good spectator sport either uh, but they were trying to build up a online tournament <laughs> that uh, was supposed to be earlier this year but you know, it has never materialized that it was supposed to be something like 20 million dollars or something uh, as a total prize pool, I should say. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember what the pool was supposed to be, but I do remember that. I mean, it was it was an absurdly high prize pool. It was it was really yeah, it was really high. And mind you, uh, artifact is uh, uh, nosedived in the course of three and a half months. Yeah, not even that long. It's just well, no, that well, last remnant of... Well, it went from... Uh, b- b- backtrack a little bit. Uh, from Let's just put it this way. Uh, the first uh, record date is, 30, uh, is uh, November 30th. It's at 46,456. Then December 13th, it's down to just over 10,000. Yeah, that was a... It, pretty big pretty quick drop yeah and then there was a slight bump up whenever they did a rebalance and some of the stuff but it was too little too late and that was still eleven thousand. which for a card game 
sounds like a lot, but you know, you're dealing with an economy as well on top of it. And they tied this entire system into the Steam marketplace. Did they not learn anything from Diablo? Nope. Obviously not. We'll we'll come back to that later too, but I for Valve's case, I think they were just like, meh, we can get away with it. Uh, or they just didn't give a hubris. shit. It could be either or. Yeah. Uh, I, hubris or I mean, just, just not the, giving just a shit. Just the fact that the teaser for the, uh, just the logo of this. Remember that video? Yeah. The massive, aww, or uh, whatever it was when, <laughs> yeah. Because they were uh, teasing it as a new IP or yeah, a new game from Valve. Oh, it makes me wonder, you know, what Valve is going to do next after this. Because, you know, they still have, you know, pretty much free reign to do whatever they want because they have the Steam money. So, you know, they, they could yeah. uh, sit and incubate something. But instead, they throw this out. It's just... Yeah. And the fact that they just, you know, they quietly let go of the lead uh, designer, you know, tells me that, yeah, you know, this game is dead. I... I would be shocked to see uh, yeah, any resurgence. If they made it free to play and gave some kind of something to the people who bought in to try and appease them, it might regain some yeah, traction. But, problem, but otherwise, I don't see anything happening to help it. Uh, the problem is they tend to piss off the uh, people that paid or bought in that whenever they make a game free to play. Uh, CSGO, they uh, kind of cordoned off all the uh, paid players uh, into their own little pool. Uh, Team Fortress 2, they gave a hat. <laughs> uh, those are the two that I can think yeah. of off the top of my head. Uh, but, yeah, it's just, they, they need a complete rebalance of things. And uh, it just shocks me that they released this as a pay-to-play game, especially since they tied it into the marketplace, because it feel it feels like they we're about to make this a free-to-play game, but they were afraid of the bots uh, just uh, going rampant on the market. So they decided to put in some sort of uh, speed bump and they put in a wall instead. Yeah. Big old wall. Yeah. With a mallet on it that when you get too close, it smashes you. Yeah, I feel sorry for you know the people that bought in because, damn... I just hope that they enjoyed it before it all went to shit. Well, from what I understood, not a lot of people really enjoyed it because of just, you know, the, the market. Because, you know, it was, it was pure pay to win. And, you know, in the purest uh, sense of the word, right? Yeah. Well, the phrase, I guess I should say. Because, you know, you could just go into the marketplace and spend, uh, I think it was, what, 300 some dollars for the complete set? And then just... Yeah, I don't, people. I have no idea. Well, I remember them talking about how the card prices have absolutely tanked. So, if you have cards in this game, cash out now. Cash out now. <laughs> I'm tempted to go buy a few just, just because. I won't, but I'm tempted to. Buy one common card, and then whenever the game uh, resurges, I'll be able to sell it for a quarter profit. <laughs> Woo! That's a lot for on Steam, like, in the marketplace, though. A whole quarter. Yeah, that's almost a quarter of a dollar. Oh, wait. Almost. After they take their two or three cents off of the quarter. You know, just follow around the edges. Indeed. All right. Well, 
are we uh, ready to go talk about something that I'm a little little excited yeah, for? Should I just go ahead and go make my tea while you uh, gush about this? Or and a squeal. Oh, Halo: The Master Chief Collection is coming to PC, and it will be on Steam. So I'm excited about this. Uh, I'm. It's probably mostly nostalgia fueled. Um, I've talked at length on this show how much I like the Halo series, have read the books, have seen the anime and the, the short films. I've uh, read some uh, yada fiction yada. where you and uh, John have a little bit of a, an encounter. Absolutely. He's very, very tall, very strong. Makes me feel very safe. But he's also cuddly. Yeah, but you need a but, uh yeah, well, I still don't know what his face looks like, though, even in my fan fiction. <laughs> but anyways, um, the uh, they're bringing the Master Chief Collection to PC with the addition of Halo Reach, which previously was not in the Master Chief Collection. Um, that was the last one that Bungie did. And out of all of the Halo games is probably one of the best... It's it's up there in the top like two or three, and depending on exactly what you're looking for, kind of changes its position. And they're going to be releasing them like they're doing this odd episodic type thing. They're going to release them in chronological order. So they didn't give a, a release date on when it was coming, just in tw- 2019. And uh, you'll get Reach first, then Halo One, Two, uh, Halo ODST, which was. Uh, like a DLC for Halo 3. Then you'll get actual Halo 3. Or ODST was just a campaign. Then you get actual Halo 3. Then Halo 4. Uh, and I'm pretty excited. I've got... I don't know if I'll get it because there's it's different with the addition of Reach. I don't know if they're... Uh, if you've got the Master Chief Collection already. If you can just get it on PC through the Microsoft store once it goes up. Um, you know, once we find out more about that for sure. But as long as it's, I guess as PC as it can be like proper options and things like that, I'm down. Like if it's just putting them on, well, considering they already said field of view sliders. Yeah, but there's a full range of of things more than that. And the FOV up until the more recent Halo games actually was not too bad because they they did the whole thing where they would, I think I've mentioned this before, like in Halo 4 and 5, where that they crop off portions of the screen because of the visor effect or whatever. But really, anyone who knows anything just knows that that's screen real estate. They don't have to worry about rendering because it's just black. Um, But anyways... Up until the more recent games, I I don't remember ever having issues with the FOV in the Halo games, but that could be playing them on TV, yada yada, blah blah blah, you know, differences in viewing angles and stuff like that, so we will see how that goes. But I would like a full range of video options and the ability to run them at higher than 60 FPS. The, whatever it's called, uh, the Dorito Halo mod or whatever it is that brings the halo 3 multiplayer stuff to pc from the free-to-play russian release uh does have all of those things and even though the gameplay feels a little bit sluggish because i've gotten so used to playing much faster games on pc it was nice to see halo in full 1080 60 so 
I'd like to see it at more than that. And what is this all this talk about pizza, by the way, with Halo? Um, uh, is there a new thing? Or uh, there, are you there, just... there were some trailers that were very, uh, pizza based uh, up until the uh, announcement of this. Uh, according oh, to, uh, according shit, to some of the uh, sources I was looking at earlier. It's probably just a marketing thing. As far as I know, there's no other connection. But they've always had, like, I think it was Halo 3 had the special edition Mountain Dews with, like, the Master Chief on them. And uh, Doritos has always been a thing. That's why the mod is called Dorito as, like, a mm-hmm. joke thrown towards that. But I'm not sure. I didn't see anything about pizza. But I would just assume marketing. Um... But the thing that I like the most is that it's going to be on Steam as well. Uh, you can already go see it on the Steam store page. It just says, uh, yeah, just searching Halo Pizza to be determined or whatever. Uh, shows a pizza cutter. Interesting. But, uh, you do have to have a, an Xbox Live account because there's going to be cross platform between the different versions, uh, the, the Microsoft store version, the Steam version. And then it's rumored. Like I was looking some stuff up, it's rumored that for the non-competitive multiplayer, so for co-op campaign and for uh, the wave-based survival modes, it'll be cross-platform with the Xbox consoles as well. And they've done that previously with Gears of War 4 and one other game. They had cross-platform between the PC and the console versions for cooperative modes. So you have to have an Xbox Live account, but it does not have to be a gold account if you're on PC. Because that was a big concern that they immediately responded to. I mean, you know, there's plenty of time that could change if they uh, decided to go back on that. But one thing I'll give Microsoft is the last couple of years, they've been really good about how they've been treating their PC players as well. So what, fingers they crossed they don't go back on that one. They've been remembering them a lot lately. I have to say. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited. As long as it's not, you know, a total pile of garbage when it releases, I'll I'll be getting it. Unless I get to keep it because I have the Master Chief Collection already on Xbox. Now maybe they'll do the uh, uh, Xbox Play Anywhere, uh, was it? Yeah. Uh, and you'll get a copy on, uh, yeah, the Windows Store. <laughs> Woo! It'll be like game number three or four I've got on the Windows Store. Uh, including Minecraft? Uh, yeah, actually, including Minecraft. I've got Minecraft, I've got Halo Wars 2, and Forza Horizon, or not Horizon, Forza 6, I think, was the free-to-play one. I played it once. It wasn't very good. Very limited. Too grindy. Anyways, though, that's really all I have to say. I don't... It doesn't sound like you have anything to add uh, to it, which is really. fine. I, that was more for me than yeah, you. Yeah, I've, tr- I've tried to get into Halo, but I guess I'm too much of a PC shooter. It just uh, And trying to go back is just too far for me. Yeah, that's fair. I tried. Totally I tried. Fair. Absolutely hated it. Uh, but talking about going back? Indeed. WoW Classic's release schedule spreads content updates across six phases. 
So what they mean by that is they're combining some of the updates for WoW Classic, WoW Original, Yeah, whatever. they're essentially uh, re- um, uh, re-releasing the game. They're launching the, the vanilla version, and then over the course of who knows how long, because they don't actually say... They'll release the updates for the original WoW up to Burning Crusade. It's an interesting idea because uh, I think everybody assumed whenever uh, they announced, okay, uh, fine, we'll do WoW Classic, bunch of jerks. Uh, They were just going to pick a patch and go with it. But no, this is actually a little surprising to me. Yeah, me too. And it feels very weird. Uh, not like not in necessarily a bad way, but just like uh, not really because there's precedent for this. Uh, not with WoW, but EverQuest. See, I'm not an EverQuest guy. Oh uh, well, I well EverQuest this one time. Well, well, this was more uh, big news. Was that uh, EverQuest uh, actually uh, several times over the years have uh, launched a progression server where. It essentially resets the game back to the uh, the launch version, and then uh, doing certain events, uh, essentially just uh, completing so many raids uh, a certain amount of times, unlocks the next expansion, and it progressed on and on and on. That's basically what this is doing. Only they don't say if there's a particular trigger, or if it's just time based or what. But it's the same basic idea where it's the classic version. And then they release or re-release the updates. So it's not that surprising, but I think uh, you know everybody assumed that it was just going to be a particular patch because that's what everybody was calling for. Yeah, that's fair. I just I had never heard of that before, and I suspect there's lots of people like me who have never heard of that before. Anything doing this, so it just it just feels very weird. But like I said, not a bad way. It's just like hmm. This is odd. My biggest question is, I wonder how far they're going to go. Like, it would make sense if they did this up through maybe Wrath. But beyond that point, I think that, yeah. at least at this stage, it gets too close to modern WoW to keep going. And also, uh, didn't they say that they were uh, going to keep some systems in place? Uh, like the LFG tools and stuff? Uh, Actually, I, I've I don't heard, remember. Uh, some back and forth on that, you know, if they're going to do it or not. Because there's a lot of systems that they just, yeah, you know, they completely threw out. I mean, hell, even they've completely redone the talent trees, what, three, four times now? Yeah. At least. Uh, and made them where they're essentially just choices now instead of an actual tree system, which I think if somebody goes back to WoW Classic, they're going to be in for a rude awakening. <laughs> yeah. Somebody who's never played it before. Because I played, I, I jumped in around Burning Crusade. I don't remember exactly when it was I came in, but, um, you know, I jumped in at Burning Crusade. I've never actually played vanilla, original vanilla WoW. See, I technically did, but I played for about a week before the uh, launch of the Burning Crusade. So I was getting some very interesting pings because the uh, server load was just going absolutely through the roof. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, uh, according to this, this won't be a direct match uh, for exactly how things rolled out in the original. The original uh, 1.10 loot uh, changes, for example, are mostly rolled into Phase 5, but 
It should offer much uh, a much more faithful rating experience thanks to the more widely staggered release schedule. So yeah, it looks like they are not doing a, a direct uh, port or a direct re-release, but uh, yeah, rolling some things out in different steps. Uh, but this is really them trying to recapture you know the magic of WoW, and I'm not sure if in today's gaming uh, scene if. Uh, the original WoW would have worked. Yeah, it's a very different landscape, very different gaming sphere. Um, but I mean, there's definitely, I mean, there's obviously plenty of people who have been asking for this, so it will have some audience. But I wonder if it'll draw in anyone new, or if it'll just be the older player base who wants to go back to this. Or if it's going to be... Uh, That's going to well, be what I'm interested in. Uh, for me, it's going to be, uh, will the population have legs on it? Will they stay there? Because there's yeah. one thing, you know, to look back and say, you know, I miss WoW how it used to be. Then, you know, go back and actually play it. That's very true. That is very true. It's that, you know, that nostalgia thing, but actually going back to it i wonder how many people are going to be like oh my god this sucks because i've heard on uh co-optional many times where particularly jesse has been like everybody says they want to go back to play original wow but i remember how shitty it was especially compared to a lot of the stuff we got now some things were better sure but when it comes to questing and raiding and yada yada yeah, like uh, you know i yeah. didn't really care for the lfg system just because uh you know it uh tended to backfire on me more often than not and I would just get awful groups but the flip side of that was I didn't have to travel to the dungeon and then you know there were were times that I got in a, a pretty decent group and I'd be halfway to the dungeon and the, and the group leader would be you know I, I don't really need to do this or you know I, you know, something just came up and they were the healer or the tank and you know one of the two uh, uh, that you know pretty much could instantly get into any group and uh, leave this poor DPS out in the cold again. Jerks. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so. yeah, there are uh, modern systems that, you know, uh, definitely add a convenience factor that I think uh, made WoW a lot more accessible uh, in a good way. Uh, that's not saying that, you know, accessibility is always a good thing, in my opinion. Uh uh, then again, maybe I'm just an elitist jerk. I don't know. I think there's, I mean, uh, uh, there's room for both. Like, there are s- many experiences I think need to have accessibility, but there's also a niche market or a niche audience that if that's what you're shooting for, then that's what you go for. And the purpose is to not make it accessible. It's to be for the audience that wants that. Like, I'm not, you know, I, I think most sort of mainstream, more mainstream things need to be as accessible as possible. But if the point is to make it not necessarily more difficult, but more... More complex. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then uh, not, not, trying to make that system the, accessible waters it down. Not, not raising the skill floor, but uh, raising the skill ceiling. Yeah. Trying to make those more accessible waters it down so i mean you have to play to the audience that you're going for yeah which uh, i mean there's room for both yeah which uh while over the years have uh seemed to change its audience two or three different times uh to uh who they're trying to focus on 
Yeah. I mean, I think that that is something that you do have to do if you're going to exist in the market for so long. Yeah, true. So. It just uh, sucks whenever you're no longer the, uh, you know, the target demographic. Yeah, that's fair. Nothing to really counter counter to that point. A falling point you've made, sir. So, yeah, I guess we'll just wait and see how this pans out. How, uh, how they do it and whether or not the community gets legs, as you said. Uh, speaking of accessibility. <laughs> Indeed. We're going to talk about Anthem some more. The level one gun in Anthem does more damage than top tier guns anywhere. Uh, Anthem 76. So, <laughs> yeah. So there was, was, is, I don't think it's fixed yet. Um, actually, let me go back and explain. So Anthem uses this sort of content leveling type of system where the lower level players can still participate in higher level things to some extent. Uh, some extent. And, uh, uh, well, unless they patched it, there was a streamer that actually got a level two or three guy on the final mission of the main campaign. Hmm. So I would not say to some extent, <laughs> That's interesting. That would I, no, I, have to be some kind no, of I saw a video of this. thing that messed up. No, that's fair. I'm not saying it didn't happen, but that would have to be some kind of like glitch of some kind, right? Like, oh, wait. Well, maybe they partied up. Did they no, party no, up no, like no. do it on purpose? No, 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 no. This was completely random matchmaking. Because huh. uh, they actually said, uh, 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 the streamer was asking his buddy, did, did you invite this guy? Because he's, you know like 20 some levels below what uh, the, uh, what they were hmm. and uh, th- th- and That's they asked uh, did have you uh, beat the main campaign and he said no what is this <laughs> <laughs> odd that's either some kind of glitch or something really fucked up cuz there's like a random like you can just like join random missions but I don't know when that unlocks. I suppose it could drop you into that. Well, to be fair, you know, Anthem having a random mission or random uh, fuck ups and uh, bugs seems pretty par for the course right now. Yeah. But anyway, so they have this content leveling system and what Bungie or not Bungie, God, what Bioware is saying is uh, that there's, it's bugging out on the starter weapon and causing it to have, some kind of error and do way more damage than it should. Um, I almost said rounding error, which they didn't say that, but I remember this happened in destiny pretty close to launch the level one weapon. Uh, they had this leveling system for multiplayer cause it had a PVP mode and, uh, there was a rounding error with the starter weapon that caused it to be the most powerful weapon in multiplayer until they patched it and fixed it. But, the the Bioware guy didn't say, at least to my knowledge, that it was a rounding error. Just a bug that was happening. But so anyways, they've got this content leveling system. And it turns out that the level 1 weapon does as much or more damage than many, if not most, of the high level weapons. Um, and there was a, uh, a player who recorded it and showed comparing uh, his masterwork weapon, which like the masterwork weapons are the highest level, highest quality you know, highest tier of weapons, and then the the level one starter gun. Comparing the two of them, and even though the DPS numbers were different, like his weapon was saying like, you know, twelve hundred damage a shot, and the level one weapon was saying like two hundred and something damage a shot. The level one weapon was doing more damage overall 
on the shield and health bars than the top tier weapon. Yeah, was. which uh, yeah, the fact that the damage numbers are completely arbitrary is complete bullshit. That's so not. I'm not a defense, but I think I have more. I think I think I've played more of these types of games than you have, and that's just a trend that seems to carry through these types of games. Not again, not defending it. I don't want to sound like I'm defending Anthem. I know I've said positive things about it, and I still want to play it, and I still do. But that's just sort of one of the trends of this type of game: is that all that stuff's kind of arbitrary and bullshit and. That's where you get a lot of the bullet sponginess that comes from. Because it could say you're doing 10,000 damage a shot or whatever. But that's sort of there just to make you feel like you're more powerful. Way more powerful. Uh, maybe it's, this just comes know, from... Uh, looter shooter uh, aspect. Because I play a looter shooter that actually does make me feel powerful. And it doesn't bullshit me on numbers. Yeah. I mean, the Division has the same sort of thing. Destiny had the same sort of thing. Um, yeah, I really you know, just actual... like a uh, well, this strong a catch up mechanic. I understand that uh, this uh, probably is in place as a safety net if you know there's a population problem. But yeah, have it be this strong where pretty much everybody is essentially on the same level, no matter what the gear is. Um, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but. Is it the entire point of a looter shooter is to kill things, get better loot, to kill things a little bit better, a little bit faster to get better loot? Isn't this completely negating the entire gameplay loop? Because your gear does not matter if the numbers are complete and utter bullshit. Yes and no. Um, I think it comes down to what the focus of the game is. So in Destiny, uh, the focus was the weapons. There, uh, like there were huge quests revolving around getting some of these like top tier legendary weapons, and the effects and abilities that they had were all special compared to, you know, weapons of a similar level that were just like the legendary whatever you got. And I get the sense that in Anthem, most of the the loot that you want to get is the stuff that directly relates to the suit as opposed to the guns. And I felt like that came through in the demo that I played. And I feel like that they've relayed that bunches of times. I don't know how well the gear, like the, the suit abilities and things stacks up in variety and power scaling and things like that. So I can't speak to if that is the purpose for sure, but um, the division also had a lot bigger focus on your sort of specialty and the gear that you used. So the weapons weren't that big a part of it, whereas the abilities that you got were and how you sort of spec'd out your character and the equipment that you got for that stuff. So most of the loot enjoyment, for lack of a better term, that I can think of on the fly for the division came from the the gear that you got the support gear you got versus the weapons that you had. Cause it was just generic gun, generic gun. That is red generic gun. That looks like an AK 47 and is red. Like that was all of the weapons for the division, but where the, the real gear, uh, grind or the, the gear satisfaction came from all the support gear that you got. So the various drones and packs and abilities and things that upgraded those, 
was where that came in versus the guns. And I get the sense that that's what they've gone for on Anthem, but have not communicated that well. And it's just eating it. I mean, if this was the only, this is, because I said this a couple times about some things that have happened with Fallout. Like, if this was the only thing that happened, or one of the only things, it'd be like, ah, well, you know, no launch is perfect. You know, they'll get this fixed. But it has been thing after thing and i think everyone is just so fed up with this well, shit. also it seems like uh, and i don't blame them i mean system is uh way uh, too meager I, I didn't put it on the docket because i couldn't find a good story for it but uh they bugged out the loot drop system twice since launch to, uh, to, yeah i've seen yeah, that to make uh, uh the uh, uh, uh the masterwork which is essentially the highest tier i think it is uh, uh mm-hmm. weapons or whatever drop a lot more often uh and every time they fix it it seems like it's just they, they completely remove them from the loot table essentially yeah i don't know what happened the first time but the second change that they made they took out the possibility of getting a common excuse me common and uncommon drop from the what are they called the fort Whatever, it's basically this game's equivalent of raids. So, you, you know, you could only get rare and above weapons. But the speculation from the community was that uh, they just took them out of the loot tables and didn't adjust anything. So, you know, all of those basically percentages went up the tree. So people were getting tons of rare and legendary and masterwork items instead, like... It didn't adjust the drop rates at all. They still got the same amount of drops, just now there were no more commons and uncommons. And people loved it. And then they went and they changed it back and I guess made the table adjustments or whatever. They were calling, I saw, because I'm I'm on the subreddit, or I'm I'm subbed to the subreddit, just because I think it's fun to watch all that craziness, like when people blow up about stuff. Uh, and they were calling for a, a ban or not a ban, a boycott, a week long boycott of the game. So I don't, I don't know how well that's going to, well, uh, they already have their money. Yeah, I know. I'm not sure what the point is of that. They've already got their money. I guess they're hoping that a reduction in player numbers will make them see, but I think, I don't know how often this really gets brought up, but places like you know, a subreddit are usually the, a vocal yeah. minority. Was, Every great yeah, once in a while, like what enthusiast. happened with Star Wars Battlefront, will you know spill out into a much larger population. But you have to have an IP like fucking Star Wars for yeah, that. Yeah, and a sense of pride and accomplishment. Hey, so uh, I think that I mean, while the subreddit, you know, the the members on there seem to be pretty uh, pretty united about this. I would imagine compared to the full population of the game, it's just a fraction. And, you know, it's, it's hard to say without them, you know, with most of these sales being digital, what actually the player numbers and the sales numbers look like because they ain't talking about it, which means that it didn't do like gangbusters that they don't, you know, they're not, they're not bragging about it, but that doesn't also mean that nobody bought it, you know? There's really no way to know at this point. Yeah, especially since they aren't bragging. It's tough to really say, but I think they uh, 
were able to cash in on a lot of pre-orders. Yeah, I'd imagine so. And, you know, everyone keeps saying the NPD numbers are down, but physical sales are trending downwards. So that's not really something that we can super go by as, you know, gospel or whatever. It's just this is an interesting, interesting situation. Like, we've had several back-to-back game fiascos with multiple games at this point. Like, Yeah, just how uh, how long before people just say, enough is enough? Yeah. Because it can't just be well, the I mean, enthusiasts, right, at this point, noticing there's a, a severe problem. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, I have a very small sample size to work from, but... I do talk to a lot of people in my day-to-day who play video games. You know, I work with younger people, kids. And most most of them are very excited to buy games like Far Cry and spend shitloads of money on, you know, Fortnite or now Apex. That one's rising in popularity with the kids. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I heard an interesting discussion or argument being made that these types of games are sort of the malls for the generation of kids that are playing them right now. You know, they hang out there with all their friends. They're there all the time, so they spend money there all the time. And it doesn't really matter if it's a shitty experience or not because it just provides an area to hang out with friends. And I can't completely argue with that. Like, it and sometimes it feels that way most people who aren't enthusiasts i don't think don't really have as much what's the right word taste in in this sort of thing and you know i can't think of anything in my own life that i fall into that category in but i bet i do and just because i'm not you know an enthusiast at it i don't think about it it's just stuff that i do and i think that for many people games like this are just a thing that they do as a social lubricant. Uh, you and your lubricant. I do like lubricant. So, yeah. I don't know. I have no idea. I know that for players like you and me, generally, and probably most of our audience, things like this, you know, we do say enough. And there are lots of games that I have thrown my hands up and be like, you know what, I'm not buying this. I'm not getting into this. Anthem just sort of seems to have struck the right chord with me in terms of this hits enough things that I do like or am interested in that at some point it'll be good enough for me to play. But like Destiny 2, I loved Destiny 1. I've talked about this a bunch of times, but Destiny 2 was too much of a dumpster fire for me to touch. So I didn't touch it. I haven't touched it. Haven't played it. Probably won't at this point. Games like Far Cry. Been a big fan of the Far Cry series. Didn't touch Far Cry 5 for a lot of the same reasons. I didn't touch Far Cry 5 because it reminded me Far too much of uh, my home. Yeah, fair play. But Fallout 76, I was interested in that initially, and then it turned out to be what it was, and I'm like, nope. Fallout's not good enough for that for me. I'm very worried about Elder Scrolls 6. I'm I'm coming more and more off of that, "Eh, I'm just going to buy it thing, because, you know, I'm just... I'm, I'm sick of it, basically. So... Welcome to my camp. <laughs> <laughs> I'll stick to my indie games. I'll play Factorio and Battletech until the wheels fall off of them. Uh, 
metaphorically I was about speaking. to say, wheels? Uh, you must be playing a lot different mechs than I am. <laughs> oh. So, yeah. Let's see what we have to talk about in Anthem or Fallout 76 next week. Yeah. All right. Back from that little edit. Uh, so, due to time constraints for me this week, uh, we are cutting a couple of things off the topic list. Uh, and we'll we'll bring it back around next week and talk about it then. For now, though, we're going to move on to Community Corner, where this week, again, uh, the only thing really to talk about is our Community Game Night, which is on Monday nights, starting at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. We planned a little bit ahead this week, uh, or last week, yes, whatever. Uh, so for the next two weeks, we've got games picked already. Let me go over here and pull them up. So for March 18th, we are going to be playing Golf With Your Friends. Uh, that if you are listening and you want to join in and you don't have it, the game is only 5 bucks on Steam. Um, I haven't seen any sales, but who knows? You might find one between now and then. And then for March 25th, we are going to be playing Minecraft. Uh, there is a community server that some other members in the community have had going for a while now. But it's basically just like drop in and have fun with your own project. They're talking about starting a community project of some kind, but no definitive answer on that because there was jokes about it being like a giant penis or something. And while I find that hilarious, typically when I play Minecraft, I just go dig a big hole because, you know, I like to mine things. Take the the mine of Minecraft very seriously. But not the crafting. No, not so much. Uh, so yes, those are our game club, or not game club, those are our community game night games for the next two weeks, um, and we'll try and plan some more out from that, although after that group discussion last night and how derailed they kept getting, I'm not sure we'll be able to go super far in advance just because I won't be able to keep everybody on track long enough to do that. Sorry, what? It took me like 20... It took me like 25 minutes to pull these two games out of everyone that was there last night. I blame Kyle. Which that, Yeah, that's fair. I blame Kyle also. As long as it's not me who's being blamed. Oh, don't worry. Uh, you're the subtext. That's fine. This is, I'm not... Uh, I'm not... Uh, I'm the subtitle, not the main title. And I can live with that. But we are... Even though we cut a few things from the list, we are still going to do a discovery queue this week. Uh, so once you hit them up with where they can send us stuff, because I almost skipped over that. Uh, like usual. Uh, you can email us, vglpodcast at gmail.com. You can tweet us, vglpodcast. And now, we'll go for the theme song. And I got something interesting right off the bat, which is highly unusual, and the Discovery queue section of the notes was not cleared out. So, oh, oops, that was my. Uh, I'm. Uh, this is the beta access, but I'm just going to call the main game instead of uh, the beta access, and I'll probably change this uh, post. Tropico Six. Oh, I've seen that in a couple of places, although not in my Discovery Queue. Well, I got the beta for uh, Tropico Six on Discovery Queue, which uh, looks like is over because I was talking about free beta access somehow but uh tropico 6 i mean it's uh, a return to the tropico series the previous one was uh 
uh, kind of a time traveling one, wasn't it? Where it was going through the different ages of the Banana Republic with El Presidente. Yeah, I don't remember exactly when it started. But uh, it, colonial you know, era the, uh, the various... uh, as a uh, colony of, I believe, England. And uh, just going through the different eras, but it looks like it's a return to form for Tropico, which is welcomed. I mean, Tropico is kind of a weird in-between of uh, city management, uh, town management, and, uh, uh, well, a survival game almost, because you have to deal with the uh, uprisings and everything else, which uh, is well, rather taxing on one's survival. Indeed. And, uh, and so all I hell presi- El Presidente. El Presidente. Uh, so I got an interesting looking game pretty quick in my queue, which actually is a strange thing. Murderous Pursuit. This basically looks like the ship, but a more modernized version of the ship. Where they, you're trying to murder people at an event of some kind without being murdered yourself and without being discovered. Uh by things like the you know the authorities on the map and having the other person notice that you're trying to murder them. I loved the ship, well, but it doesn't always run properly. Well, considering it's by the same developers as the ship remastered. Is it? Okay, I was just going to check and see if it was by the same developers, so you beat me to that. That's, okay, that makes sense. I wonder if it's some kind of like direct sequel or if it's just a sort of spiritual successor type game. Does it say? It doesn't. Not that I see here. Well, but that's okay. My second game uh, is also very interesting, and unfortunately, I grabbed the review uh, tag. But Intruder: The Ultimate Spy versus Guard Simulator. Uh, essentially, what uh, the Steam reviews were calling it uh, uh, a low rent version of Rainbow Six. As in the old Rainbow Six. Hmm. Uh, the problem is that it's a multiplayer-focused game that's an early access title. So, yeah, I would say this is a good land game. Because I, I don't have a lot of faith of it being a, uh, you know, having, uh, well, the legs on the community. Uh, but uh, that's just m- me being burned on early access games in the past way, 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 way too much. So, yeah, I mean, it looks interesting. I mean, it's definitely, you know, it looks like PS1 era graphics almost. With maybe a little bit higher textures. Yeah. Uh, but it, it looks what? interesting. Uh, but, uh, yeah. I just found something that looks really interesting. I've never seen this before. Enderal Forgotten Stories. I'm about to put the link in. But its tag is, or like it opens, this is a total conversion mod for Skyrim, and it's got its own store page. It's free. Maybe they'll actually make it a good uh, uh, game. Uh, I thought I was hearing something about this. Looks like it uh, just requires the base version of uh, Elder Scrolls uh, Skyrim and not uh, uh, the uh, enhanced edition. It looks yeah. like it also includes a shit. novel uh, in the DLC. I'm, I'm getting this shit. <laughs> yeah, it, oh, it actually okay. has a novel. This looks cool. I don't, don't really have a better way to say that at this point. 
I don't know if I'll actually get to get to playing this this week, but I mean it's just a, a mod, free mod, but with its own store page. That's the thing that like is weird to me. It's got its own store page. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a few out there. I've never seen one before. That's cool though. Well, neato. Burrito. Okay, well, speaking of neato, how about some Warhammer? Yes. Warhammer Chaos Bane. Uh, no, Warhammer, not Warhammer 40k, it seems. So, in the fantasy version, um, hack and slash uh, adventure, so uh, ARPG with uh, online or local co-op uh, options. Interesting to say the least. Uh, hopefully, a good game because you know the Warhammer license is you know kind of spotty when it comes to games. But yeah, it looks uh, Diablo esque. Just looking at some of the trailers real quick, but still two months out, so really hard to say otherwise. But hey, if you want some Warhammer, uh, there you go. There you go. So this looks neat. Outlaws of the Old West. Uh, MMO or survival open world survival MMO but western themed so as I've never seen one of these before well a western themed one of these before they may exist and I just didn't realize it but I feel like didn't Jim Sterling do a uh, game about old west survival that was absolute shit I don't know I don't remember that but maybe I specifically remember, uh, oh boy, ooh, I just looked at the developers, uh, this is a, a black mark immediately, Ark Survival Evolved. Ah, interesting, well. Alright, and considering they're amazing, uh, you know, uh, uh, track record with, uh, Oh, shoot, now I'm blanking on the actual name of that damn pirate game. Yeah, I know the one you're talking about. Oh, there's a guy. But I can't remember the name of it. Yeah, considering... Uh, but it was from just like a month or two yeah, ago. Yeah, the, the hackers were actually able to go in and uh, spawn uh, World War II aircraft <laughs> that was attacking people. Uh, because they had it in to test something in the uh, game mechanics. So it was just weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's. Uh, I, I do not trust this. It looks interesting, but I do not trust the developer. Fair enough. Fair enough. So I got something that's interesting. How about a two for one special? As okay. in, buy one game, you get one to give to a friend. TikTok, a tale for two. This may be something we have to play together. You and your friend are trapped in a mythical world. As uh, time ebbs away, you must solve increasingly complex puzzles to escape. So, asymmetric uh, possible uh, uh, puzzle solving? Where have I seen that before, right? I wonder. But Is it creepy? I don't like creepy things. What? Although I'd play well, it Well, you though. tolerate me. You're not creepy, though. You're just grumpy sometimes. Uh, just look at the trailer. I can handle that. Uh, it looks like they mostly focus on playing uh, uh, other people and not really what the game does. But yeah, it's uh, 
Yeah, but yeah, it's definitely an asymmetric uh, puzzle game. That is very interesting, and it's six bucks for two copies. Buy before March seventeenth uh, uh, and get two copies of uh, TikTok: A Tale for Two, and send an extra copy to your friend. So we may have to do this. Indeed, I'd be down. So I got another one, Anno eighteen hundred. It feels weird to see the Anno series go back in mm-hmm. time. Because the last two games, or at least the last two major releases, because then they have like the free-to-play online one in there at some point. But the last two have been in the future. There was 2070 and 2205. Oh, equal to 99. So it feels weird to see them. Yes, I still remember when you told me that and it blew my fucking mind. <laughs> 1800 also equals 9. But anyways, it, it just feels weird to see them go back in time. I mean, not obviously that it couldn't work. But it just feels odd. After basically in 2070, the world fell apart because of climate change. And then in 2205, part of the whole thing is you put the world back together with science. Well, now you, So it just feels well, odd. Oh, you discovered a time machine. Now you're trying to go back in time and prevent uh, the bad future. It would be interesting if that was the thing. I'm probably not going to buy this because it's a Ubisoft game. So between... A modern Ubisoft game. So between whatever Denuvo... Oh, yep, it's got Denuvo. I just guessed. <laughs> but it says in here, warning, this title uses third-party DRM, Denuvo and Itamar. So between Denuvo and the fact that it's probably full of a whole bunch of bullshit, I'm, I won't be buying it at least well, uh, for a while. You're saying that uh, Ubisoft would uh, tie a, a single-player progression to their online uh, servers? Yes, they would. They have before. But anyways, I probably won't be buying it for a while, but maybe someday. Maybe someday. That's the end of my queue. I had a good one this week. One, two, three, four. Usually my queues are full of garbage and bullshit, so... Quite happy with that. I'm just clicking through the last couple. Uh, Well, not my cup of tea, but uh, maybe somebody will enjoy it. The Lego Movie 2, the video game. Everything's not awesome. I mean, uh, it's the Lego movie, so, you know, what more does it need to be said? Plus, it's a Lego video game, right? Yeah. I haven't seen Lego Movie 2. I've heard good things about it. And the game is probably uh, fine. A VR game to end off my queue, so that's it for me. Cool. Well... That uh, then that wraps yeah, it up, I believe and that brings so. us to the brings us to the portion of the podcast where I used to go first, <laughs> but now I see things like rage. Hit them with the socials. Oh uh, well, once again, if you wish to contact us, you could do so vglpodcast at gmail with your letters, voicemails, game related topics, or just tweet them to us vglpodcast. Uh, I mean, the letter bag was empty this week, so we would uh, be greatly appreciative of it. And we are also appreciative of our patrons. You can find out more at patreon.com slash podcast. And our lovely, lovely patrons pay for this absolute madness and our website, vglpodcast.podbean.com, which hosts the show notes, our RSS feed, and links to all our media online. Or you can just find us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever good podcasts are. Somehow we have snuck in there. I've been Caffeine Rage. You can find me on YouTube, Gaming with uh, Caffeine Rage, on the Twitter, Gaming with CR, or on Twitch, 
uh, caffeine underscore rage. I'll eventually be there, I hope. And you have been Gaming Psychologist. You can find me over on YouTube at Gaming Psychologist. You can find me on Twitter at JMA4707. You can be my friend on Steam by sending a friend request to jarthur4707. And if you wish to give him the password, the password for this week is a Game Changer. Pulling up one of my old passwords because we're not going to have EA anymore. <laughs> Yay. Oh. Freedom. freedom. Oh, I nearly used freedom, but nah. Uh, game Changer felt a little bit more natural right now right indeed and well naturally we go on to our intro and outro music is on the ground by kevin mccloyd and our discovery cue music is doobly doo by the same artist you can find his work at incomputech.com and as always as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice bye-bye now. see ya bye-bye